Blog Talk Radio. How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Show. We have a great show for you tonight. We are looking forward to uh, having a great conversation with some guests. We have a couple of cardiologists uh, coming on. We have a nutritionist. We have a head football coach. And we have a head baseball coach, a collegiate baseball coach coming on tonight. So we've got a great lineup. And I have uh, a good friend of mine that's going to be my co-host, Jack Douglas. We're looking for a great night tonight. Thank you all for tuning in. And, one, just want to, again, just let you know who is the West Foundation. The West Foundation uh, is a nonprofit organization that we started about four years ago, and our main purpose is to help kids understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we don't want them to not chase their dream. We want them to chase their dream. But the key is we want them to be ready and have a tools on their tool belt to be ready to be successful after their sport ends. Now, in case some kids or some people don't know or realize, the sport's going to end at some time. It might be when you're 18 and you're graduating from high school. It might be 22 when you graduate from college. It might be 25 after you spend three years in the league. It might be 35 um, after you spent about 15 years in the league. But at some time, they're going to come to an end. And the key is that you want to have tools on your tool belt where you can be ready to be successful. And that looks different ways for a lot of different people. But the key is we want to make sure that kids start thinking about that um, before they get to that point. So that's kind of what we want to do. And we're going to do some different life skills seminars, uh, webinars nowadays. Um, Like, for instance, we had one on social media, talk about the do's and don'ts of social media. We did one on financial literacy, uh, another on mental wellness and how that affects athletic performance, which it really does. Now, one thing that we're going to do on the show is we've had one on, uh, had somebody on talk about financial literacy. We're going to do that on a consistent basis because I think that's so important for young people um, to make sure that they are financially literate. And they hear some things that a lot of people haven't heard at at a specific time. For instance, just talking about, investing in real estate, investing in the stock market, um, whether or not I need to go on and get insurance at at an early age. There's so many financial things to think about, and we want to help those people do that. We're also going to bring on in the next couple of weeks, we're going to bring a police officer on. So we just talk about the do's and don'ts of dealing with a police officer. And, you know, today in today's climate, that's so important for kids to make sure they understand uh, the importance and what they need to do when they interact with a police officer. Because unfortunately, too many people have gotten killed, um, and it's that's that's just a, a deal that you want to try to avoid at all time, at all costs. Excuse me. Now, one of the things that I sort of started doing is started talking about a word. You know, several years ago, I read a book, and it was one word. And what they got you to do is just pick a word. And that was going to be your word for the year. And I did that for a couple of years while I was coaching. And one of the words that we chose was passion. 
And I believe that it's so important um, for you to be successful, is you be passionate about what you're doing. I think it's hard to give something all you have if you aren't passionate about it. A friend of mine once told me, do not chase the money, but chase what you love, and the money will come. And that is so true. If you truly do something that you love to do, then it's going to monetize for you at some point. It might not happen always as, as soon as you want it to, but it will. And I had a lot of friends that have told me I would love to be coaching right now, uh, but I just can't afford to do it. So if your passion drives you, then go do it. And another thing that passion is going to do is it's going to drive you when you don't feel like doing it. And another thing that's going to happen is it's also a, another way of looking at what is your why. What is your why for doing what you do? And a lot of times kids do things for different reasons, or not just kids, adults as well. You do things for different reasons because it's somebody else's dream or somebody else's passion and not yours. And if it's not yours, sooner or later, you're just not going to get fulfillment out of it. You might be good at it. There are some guys that go play professional sports. They don't love it. And eventually they'll stop because they're not getting any fulfillment out of it. So the things you've got to do is go find out what your passion is. What are you passionate about? And once you find out what you're passionate about, then you can go on and chase that passion, chase that dream, because that is another way that you know that that's your passion, that's your dream. What do you dream about all the time? And once again, if you're chasing your dream, if you're chasing your passion, you're going to be successful. And the thing is, options are going to come regardless. But if you know that you're passionate about it, those options are just a bump in the road. Now, here's something that uh, just, as always, I, I'm, a, I'm a quote guy. I'm a big quote guy. And one of the good quotes that I saw just looking at passion is, nothing in this world has been accomplished without passion. So then you got to ask yourself, what are you truly passionate about? See, the thing about passion, some people are passionate about what they can get out of doing something and not really passionate about the activity. There's a lot of guys that say they want to be great, saying that before greatness can become public, it's got to be born in private. There are things that have to be done behind the scenes that help you get to that greatness. And if you don't pay the price behind the scenes, it's not very likely that you're going to get that opportunity to get the glamour of being great. So the thought today is we just want to think about passion. And my uh, challenge to you is think about what are you passionate about? What are you truly passionate about? Now, me, I've been passionate about football for a long time. Um, now, my dad, he's passionate about baseball. But, again, baseball is another sport that I love, but I was truly passionate about football. Find your passion. Don't let it be somebody else's passion. Don't let somebody else put their passion on you. You figure out what is your passion. And if you figure that out and you go chase that, now you're on a great path to being successful. Now, Jack, how's everything going? Everything's great, Everett. It's going pretty good. Well, good, good. Now, while we talk yeah. about passion, before we really start talking about some of the other things that's going on, what were you passionate about? 
you know, I, I was passionate about winning, and and I'm still passionate about winning. It, it just has transpired into into the business world and into uh, my role as as a sales manager and a, and a salesperson. Um, to get that mm-hmm. win, and and today for me a win is successful presentation and a successful account. Um, that's the best mm-hmm. feeling in the world. And and someone asked me if I was uh, more was I driven more to win or not to lose? And, and, you know, some of that is the same side or different sides of the, of the same coin. As much as I exactly. like to win, I'm striving not to be that guy with his, with his head held down after that game. That's the worst feeling in the world for me to, to come in with yep. that loss. That is true. So that, that that's, true. that's nope. the passion. And I can say that that's what, you know, gets me up every morning. And and it gets mm-hmm. me up to get my workout in, gets me up to to uh, to work and to uh, hold my my employees accountable. It gets me up to do all yep. of that. That passion. Yep, and that's so true. And 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 here's the thing that is very true, and it sort of goes back to uh, one of our core goals with the West Foundation is a lot of people that are passionate about the sports that they play, but that sport's going to end right. at some point. So yep. now, what do I do with yep. that passion with that sport? And you hit you hit the nail on the head. Is I'm gonna take that same passion, and now I got to find something else that I'm passionate about that I enjoy doing, and I'm gonna forge into, into that. And right. and when you do that, those those are the successful people. And I believe that's why a lot of employers look for athletes. They because do. They they, they know do. that they know that they've been passionate about their sport. They know that they've got great work ethic. They know they know how to be a team player, and that's going to go on and translate into the business world. And for a lot of times it does. Most of the time it does. I'm sure there's some instances where it doesn't, but most of the time it does. And that's uh, a leg right. up for a lot of that. It is. So what, when, when you think of passion, the, the first thing that popped in my mind was George Washington Carver. And I'm not sure why he popped in my mind, but he spent his life working with the peanuts and he 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 found so many different uses for the lowly peanut remember it was just a a a uh farm a farm plant that was uh not useful for a whole heck of a lot oftentimes they just dug the peanuts back into the ground to uh to help keep it uh help keep it um uh ready for other plants to grow, more prosperous plants to grow. But he was determined to find a use for that peanut. And he found, I think he has, and I was looking it up, he he has hundreds of patents which involve the peanut and and stuff outside of the peanut. But he was passionate. He was passionate. His life was devoted to the peanut. That's passion. That is. That is. That is definitely passion. So, Now, hey, this (laughs) week has been – uh, a, a different week, and I'm going to start off with one that uh, just came out not too long ago. Uh, did you see that the Tennessee Titans and the Minnesota Vikings are shut down for two weeks? I did um, see that. I did see the, that. The uh, Titans had yeah. five players and three coaches that tested positive, and it's the NFL rule that they're going to shut down anybody they had contact with them for two weeks. So both teams are shut down for two weeks. So that's uh, and it's interesting that nobody on the Vikings team tested positive. 
but it was just people on the Titans team. Yeah, so, that is interesting. It's one of so, could so have been something. Were they oh. were they scheduled to have a game over these next two weeks that they'll have to postpone? Well, they played this past week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So of course, I'm sure they had games scheduled. I'm not sure who they were supposed to play, but yeah, they had a couple of games that were scheduled. Um. So that's interesting. And then I also saw that where Rice has shut down their season. But on the other side, um, the Pac-12 and the MAC have decided to go on a play. So they'll start playing later on this year. I did see that. And, and the Big Ten, and they're starting their right. season. The Big Ten said it was going to play. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, everybody's out, out playing. Now, the, the crazy thing is the Big Ten – they had a couple of uh, people that, that jumped up in the top 25 and they ain't played the game yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey. I know Ohio, uh, Ohio State might be number number three. Heck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's interesting. I didn't play a game yet, but I'm in the top 25. Well, you know what you're getting when you get Ohio State, though. That, that's, that's, oh, yeah. that's uh, I know. I know. Uh, you know they, I mean, they deserve it. I know what you get. I know what you have. But at the same time, though, you know, COVID, you never know which players are going to be available. Um, so Right, right. There was a game early in the season where Georgia Southern hosted Campbell University. And mm-hmm. I was watching part of it, and I was like, why is Campbell hanging with Georgia Southern? Uh, you know, Georgia Southern is a is a powerful Sun Belt school in the uh, mm-hmm. FBS, and Campbell is right. a – I think they're in the Big South. Um, and yep, they, they, they have a solid program, very good coach, but they should not have been going toe-to-toe and about to land a knockout blow on Georgia Southern until, I believe, the last drive. Um, and, and when the truth came out, I believe a majority of Georgia Southern's offensive starters were out because of yeah. because of COVID or quarantine. And so that that's mm-hmm. going to be common around these these football teams where you could have your whole offensive line out because guess what offensive linemen do? They hang around with each other and exactly. they eat together and and they exactly. they do stuff together. So yep. it's going to be interesting throughout the season. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, as I look, Ohio State is number six, Penn State is number ten, Oregon is number fourteen, Wisconsin is number nineteen, Michigan is number twenty-three, and of course they haven't played a game yet, and they won't play okay. until you know October at the earliest. All right. October. All right. This is well, October twenty-fourth um, at the earliest. And, and that's Oregon, in the Midwest. You know, it's going to be November. cold. It's going to be cold when mm-hmm. their season starts. <laughs> yep. Yep. So <laughs> I wonder how that's taking effect. Uh, so, and, you know, there's so many questions and, and you don't have a lot of answers because now you have all of Division One playing, but you still have one AA, Division Two that are waiting for the spring. So how is that going to uh, affect everything. Well, I mean, there's, there's, I, 
I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how you effectively execute a spring season. That, that's just right. an odd thing for me. Um, there's so many other sports going on. And and yeah. I guess if, if you, if the, that particular conference is committed, you know, I think the Southern Conference has said that, maybe the Big South Conference, mm-hmm. a couple of other conferences, and you're just playing conference games, I guess that that's what you do. It, it, it will be yeah. an odd experience, that's for sure. And then you're going to go yep. into summer break, and then, you know, three months later you're going to play some more football. Is yeah. that a good thing and to me, health-wise? That's be the tough, yeah, that's going to be the tough part. Um, yeah. Because you're not going to have much time to recover. Right. And then you're going right. to be right back to the grind again. And then I think Is that the going other to promote more point, injuries in the fall? The fatigue, exactly. the, the body, you know, it could be an yep. injury deal. We don't, we don't know. We've never done that. We're yep. not sure. We don't. we don't. You know, one of the things that's a question that was asked last week as you look um, – the previous week was one of the most injuries in the NFL ever. I mean, they had seven ACLs the week before last. So, I mean, you really can't say it's related because from scientifically you, there's no evidence to prove that. Uh, but you got to wonder. I mean, that's a lot of injuries, big injuries, in one weekend. So, yeah. and that's from the, the, the lack of preseason and OTAs. And, right, right. You know, of course, if you don't do something for a while, your, your body's not going to be as used to it. But, hey, once again, there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. So Yeah. And, you know, and, and there is a buildup of, of game-type stamina and speed with the preseason mm-hmm. games. So yep, no doubt. those were non-existent. So were you able to get right. game-type intensity enough in the preseason to be ready for week one or week two or week three? Er, yeah. Not sure. Yeah. You, you I, think, I would say you were you, not. Uh, yeah. If you even think about the the college game, of course you don't have preseason games, but that first scrimmage is kind of like a quarter and a half, maybe up to yeah. a half, a quarter to a quarter yeah. and a half to maybe a half. And then by the time you get to the – the last one, you're going to be saying, hey, I want to get my starters in there for a good three quarters. What would be about yep. three quarters? Play-wise. Yep. And then, of course, the last one right before the, the first game was a little bit lighter, but you worked up to where they was getting that many live reps. And if you don't have that opportunity, then I'm sure that's going to have some type of effect. Yeah. Yeah, it has to. It has to. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, it's it's sort of now that football has started, because here's another thing. You know, football has started, and there's so much excitement around that. A lot of people aren't even, uh, at least a lot of people I'm talking to, haven't really realized that baseball playoffs start tonight. <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> I, yeah, I know the basketball the playoffs start soon. <laughs> And, uh, and hey, that's going to be this the wild card games, um, which later we'll talk a little bit more because uh, our nutritionist is actually working with the Cleveland Indians right now uh, that we're going to have on later on at, at uh, 7. And they, they play the Yankees tonight. The uh, White Sox beat the A's in the first game. The Astros beat the Twins. 
And then mm-hmm. uh, and Blue Jays and the Rays are, are tied up at zero zero in the bottom of the fourth. So there's okay. still some baseball going on. Of course, we got basketball going on. Yep. And, yep. You know, one of the things that uh, I sort of said earlier today, talked to some of the fellas that, uh, hey, I'm going to stir the pot, and I'm going to say I'm going to take Miami in six. Man, I'm about to hang up on you. Man, Miami <laughs> is not going to beat Los Angeles. That's absurd. Hey, hey, well, first and foremost, you know where I went to school. Um, so I am an underdog guy. I'm going to root for the I, underdog. I understand and, that. And and I I, I got to go on a pull for Miami, man. I got to pull for the underdog. Maybe if Jimmy Butler got a clean shave, I could pull for Miami occasionally. <laughs> but, I mean, does he have to go with the nappy beard all the time? Hey, come man. on, Jimmy. He, he, he said, <laughs> it's on, the Jimmy. It is the style. It's the style. So, and, the problem, hey. and the problem is, if I grew if I grew anything beyond this five o'clock shadow that I have right now, which is actually a five or six day shadow, I call it a five o'clock, but that's about what it amounts to. If I grew it anymore, it would look like Jimmy Butler's. It'd be you know just a a spotty beard, and that that that's a you know, that's a wino look, man. That's not a professional athlete look. That man wears custom suits and stuff. Hey, hey, folks, the beard a little I, bit. You know, rock, rock a nice goatee or something. <laughs> hey man, it's a different time. Different time. As as, as you know, that's what my wife always says. She goes, "You just you just an old old fashioned fart." Yeah, that's what you are. Hey, you just old fashioned. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you would have uh, showed up with that down to a formation one day. <laughs> Uh, that would have been a T-I-M-E. So, but yes, yes. The spotty it, beard, it, yeah. Yeah, it would have been something else. It would have been something else. But, but hey. So that's why I but, can't pull for Miami, that one reason, you know? Well, I, I got to pull for it. I got I think that they're going to go on and make it a lot more interesting than, than a lot of people think it, they are. Um, yeah, they of will. Course, they're a good team. They have, they have a great team. But I, I got to yeah. go on a pool for Miami, man. I need them going to win the first one and then just go on and take care of their business. And and if they do that, then it could be good. Cause they, mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm going to go with this one because uh, – The boys in Miami, they're sitting around mm-hmm. and, and they're saying, hey, don't allow the pressure of what you're going through distract you from the passion of getting where God is taking you. And they are now in the finals. And, of course, once you get there, you're only there for one reason. To win that game. To yep. win. Yep. And they got to find a way to win four. And they win four. Hey, they're gonna shock the world, and it, and it's kind of like, uh, hey, you've been at a point where you've shocked the world before, and yep. I'm just yep. pulling for my going to do that now. So, all right, we're going to see what they want to see what they can do. Let's see what they can do. 
Yeah. Let's see what they can do. So going and, back to uh, baseball, who's favored to win the World Series? Well, this is just the wild card games. So I'm not sure who's favorite. Um, so oh, okay. The uh, we're still in the wild card game. Of course, this is a, a different season for baseball. And, you know, and just kind of yeah, looking yeah. At, at, at COVID early on, there was some. There was wondering whether they'd be able to have a season because kind of like they shut right. down the Titans right. and the Vikings. They had to shut down a couple of baseball teams, but they was able to yeah. get through it. So. Hopefully, from a baseball, I mean, a football perspective, they'll be able to uh, get over that. Hopefully, that's the only true outbreak they'll have. And they can get on and have a good season. Because one of the things yeah. I know for sure is my Steelers 3-0. And then, uh, you said your course, Steelers? My Steelers are 3-0. and And then, of course, yeah. I, I worked with the with the Packers a little bit last year, and they're 3-0 and as well. So, my teams are doing well. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're doing well. They got to keep it rolling. Just keep it rolling. <laughs> so we, man, I stayed up. Now, I stayed your... up to watch that. My my NFL team are the Raiders, and uh, you know they've had a, a good game. They've had a good game. Uh, I think that last game, but um, I, I need you know there hasn't been much to cheer for the Raiders since the Tuck Rule game, and right. you know I've just been a undercover Raiders fan. Uh, my whole life, but primarily after the Tuck Rule game, there, there hasn't been much to, to to really cheer for. So um, this season's looking promising, a little more promising than than past seasons. Right. Yep. Well, yep. hey, they're two and one. Right? Are the Raiders two and one? Uh, I think they are. I think they are. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. 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 Well, hey. Um, just want to revert back to passion for a little bit, and I found a little clip uh, from different guys talking about passion. So uh, mm-hmm. on this break, first break, we're going to let you all listen to a little motivational uh, talking about passion, and then when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Selena Allen and Dr. Ian Smith. So we'll be back in a few. People say... You, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing, and it's totally true. And the reason is, uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. And after all, if you do really like what you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is, you can eventually turn it, uh, you could eventually become a master of it. The only way to become a master of something, to be really with it. And anything you can be interested in, you'll find others who are. But it's absolutely stupid to spend your time doing things you don't like in order to go on spending things you don't like or doing things you don't like and to teach your children to follow in the same track. If you're not willing to risk, you cannot grow. And if you cannot grow, you cannot become your best. And if you cannot become your best, you can't be happy. And if you can't be happy, then what else is there? You have to harness your will to say, I'm going to challenge myself. Sometimes I have to pull myself out of bed and say, come on, Glenn. Things I know I should do, I don't do. Things I shouldn't do, I do. I found that the biggest enemy you have to deal with is yourself. So deciding as you look at your life, as you look into the future and say, what fears am I holding on to? What fears that I'm allowing to imprison me? keeping me from breaking out, that's keeping me from living up to my true potential. 
that's keeping me from really being happy, that's keeping me from having a sense of adventure and excitement in my life? What's, what's keeping me from controlling my destiny? You've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe in your ability. You've got to believe in your service, your company, your ideas, unquestionably. You've got to have faith, and that faith gives you patience. That is not going to happen as quickly as you want it to happen. Failure is a detour, not a dead end. Perseverance is the key. You can believe you deserve to win. You can feel that you determine your results. You can feel incredibly motivated and inspired. And you can practice. But unless you put in the perseverance in actual effort, all the training in the world won't help you unless you hang in there when the going gets tough. If you want a thing bad enough to go out and fight, to work day and night for to give up your time, your peace, and your peace, all that you dream and steam is about. Life seems useless and worthless without it. And if you gladly sweat for it and fret for it and plan for it, and lose all your terror of the opposition for it, and if you simply go after this thing that you want with all of your capacity, strength and sagacity, faith, hope, and confidence, and stern personality, if neither cold poverty, famish, and dull, sickness, and pain of body and brain can keep you away from the thing that you want, if dogged and grim you besiege and beset it with the help of God you will. All right, we're back. Again, this is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Show. Uh, I have my co-host Jack Douglas with me here today. And right now we're going to bring on uh, Selena Allen and Dr. Ian Smith from Carolina uh, Cardiac Care. Hey, Selena and Dr. Smith, how you all doing? Hello. How are you? We're doing great. Doing wonderful. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's been a little rainy here in Columbia today, but uh, hopefully that's washing away some of the COVID. What do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, wouldn't wouldn't that be great? I wish it were that easy, but but we can hope yeah. for it. <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was. So, but hey, one of the things you know, a big thing that uh, I, I reason why I wanted you to come on is you know, COVID has. Uh, hit us by storm. It has definitely affected the preparation and how we do things from an athletic standpoint. Now, one, I know a young man in Georgia State, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with, and I'm going to let you talk on that a little bit more, was diagnosed with COVID, and now he has to sit out for the year. Can you talk about just how COVID has affected not just athletes but people in the whole? Yes, Coach, that's, a, that's going to be a bigger and bigger topic as uh, sports seasons languish. Uh, first of all, as we all know, this is a disease we had never seen a year ago. And so everything we have is new, and it keeps evolving. Uh, I know people get frustrated when they listen to the experts that the advice changes a little bit from time to time. That's because we're all learning together on this one. But one of the things that is uh, coming to light is the effect of this COVID virus on what we call the vasculature, that's blood vessels and your heart. Uh, I'm going to interject a little bit of science here. It's, you, nobody ha- nobody's going to be quizzed on this, but I want to make <laughs> certain that 
people understand what's going on. This coronavirus has to attach to something in your body. And what it attaches to is called the ACE2 receptor. ACE2 receptors are found in arteries, veins, the heart, and in the breathing airways. So COVID is just as much a vascular, that is blood vessel and heart disease, as it is a respiratory disease, in other words, lungs. We've been focused so far on the lungs, but now we're starting to realize that we should have been looking at the heart and the vasculature too. You, you probably have heard of young people having strokes and things like this. Right. So one of the interesting things that was done recently in Germany is they looked at a bunch of people who had recovered from COVID, and this was kind of a broad cross-section of people. And they studied mm -hmm. them with a technique called uh, cardiac MRI. And you don't need to know what that is except to say that it allows us to look for signs of inflammation in the heart. And what they found right. was somewhat surprising. About three out of four people who had seemingly recovered and were now corona test negative, had evidence of inflammation of the heart itself. This is called myocarditis. And I know that coaches are familiar with this because when a young person drops dead, about 20% of the time, it's some form of a myocarditis. Now, is COVID going to be as bad an actor as some other viruses in this regard? We don't know yet. We're going to find out. They also found that these three out of four people who thought they'd recovered many of whom had minor cases, many of whom were asymptomatic, had no symptoms, that many of these people had enlarged hearts. This is after they've recovered now, not during the active infection, but the inflammation continued, enlarged hearts, and the hearts were weak. And this is pretty scary. And this is, um, so this was also right. a study, I don't know if you heard about that study done at Ohio State on their athletes. Uh, Ohio State looked at 26 of their athletes, football players, lacrosse, soccer, and some others, all people who play vigorous sports. And they looked at 26 athletes who had recovered, supposedly. Most of them had uh, either minimal symptoms or, or weren't symptomatic at all. They didn't know they had it. They just tested positive. Five out of those 26 had definite evidence of myocarditis or an inflamed heart, and there were nine more who had suspicious evidence. And so now we're wondering what we should do with an athlete because, let's face it, as you know, athletes have to give their all, and they're making that heart pump as hard as it can. That's real stress right. on the heart. Is something bad going to happen to these people? Uh, should they be sidelined from sports? Um, you, you mentioned, uh, I think, when we were talking on the break, the mm -hmm. freshman quarterback from Georgia State. Uh, he's right. taking the mm -hmm. season out. Very reason. I mean, this is why he's doing it. And also there's a linebacker in uh, – or actually a lineman from uh, University of Houston, Yuhu, and he's been sidelined for the season. And I'm sure there are going to be a lot more. Right. So this is something we all have to think about, and we have to develop strategies for looking at athletes to make sure it's safe for them. I mean, you don't want to have a young fellow or a young lady go out after COVID and – and damage their heart for a lifetime. That would be a, a tragedy. You you know, if, me, exactly. if it means you got to sit out for a while, then you know that's what it's going to. That may be what it means. Now, if you have an inflamed or or enlarged heart, is that something that's reversible, or that's just something you have to deal with? That's a, that's the uh, sixty-four thousand dollar question. And you know, 
Uh, ask me in five years, I'll give you the answer on that. <laughs> but we don't really know right now. Uh, one thing I can right. tell you is a lot of these uh, people who have this inflammation, they have a positive blood test called troponin. And, and the significance of that is troponin is something that's only found in heart muscle cells. And the only time you find it in the blood is when heart muscle cells are dying and are breaking apart and literally spilling their, the contents into the blood. Now, that, that to me is ominous. That's, that's unfortunate because if you are damaging and killing heart muscle cells, one thing a lot of people don't know is you're pretty much born with all the heart muscle cells you're going to get. You don't get to go back for a second helping. And so if you lose right. heart muscle cells, they're not replaced. They're just gone. So we don't know. This is, these are things that all have to get worked out. Uh, I will right. say that one of the cardiologists, and that's, by the way, what I am, a cardiologist at uh, UNC, has, uh, has entered the fray, and he says that any athlete who has recovered from the coronavirus before he goes back into sports should have a simple screening of an echocardiogram, that's an ultrasound test, sound wave test, uh, and an electrocardiogram, that's where you put the wires on the chest. This is very simple, straightforward office stuff, and if those things are okay, then maybe it's okay to go back. Again, I, I can uh, stay tuned. I can tell you in five years exactly how this all plays out. But we're all finding our way through this together. Have you had any experience with this in, in your occupation over there? The you know, right now with with all the stuff that's uh, happening, you know, football has been slow, which actually helped oh, gosh, yeah. step away from, from football this year because um, my daughter's a senior, so I wanted to be around a little bit more. But in in a way, it helped me because I didn't have to hear about football. Um, but, of course, I have my son out there playing middle school ball. So, you know, me, I, I'm on the parental side as well. Um, so it's something that, you know, hey, I want to make sure that he's okay. Now, Celine, I know we were talking before about even people that have not uh, had COVID, that they probably should get tested before they go into their season. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, you know, there are actually some sports teams that are talking about doing a, a ultra-rapid assay, that is a test that tells you whether you've got it or not, Every single day on their athletes, right. uh, they're they're actually some of these teams have actually purchased the equipment. These are professional teams, of course. Mm -hmm. They purchased the equipment, and they're going to be screening their athletes every day. Uh, you know, right now we're all playing it as safe as we can because what we don't want to mm -hmm. do is damage our youth. I mean, they're they're the the hope of the future, and we can't allow them to damage themselves today if they're not and so they won't be available tomorrow so maybe mm -hmm. these are the things we have to do and of course another dynamic here is opening up sports for spectators uh, one epidemiologist now an epidemiologist is a person who studies the spread of infections it, these people are half doctor half statistician it's a very complex cerebral kind of field but some of these epidemiologists are saying that 
if your local population has a prevalence, and that means if you just look at everybody in it, what percentage have COVID? They have a prevalence of over one or two percent. Then we should not be assembling in groups because there's going to be more harm done than anything else. Uh, again, mm-hmm. maybe this will be different. That maybe this advice will change over the next few months. Who knows? But this is what we have to work with today. Is the evidence we got today? So right. it's it's scary. It's very inconvenient. Uh, it's it's really penalized sports in a big way. But you know we're all mm-hmm. suffering. It applies restaurants. I I had a lady in uh, who was finally allowed to open up her restaurant to 30% capacity, and she's still mm-hmm. having to argue with people about wearing face masks. And over here where I am, it's the law. You have to wear a face mask, but people don't do exactly. it. And she finally told me that. She's ready to just quit, and that's sorry. That's sad. Mm. Um, it is. You know, we we probably could have done a whole lot better as a country with this thing. A lot of countries did. So we have about 4% of the population of the world in the U.S., and we have 20% right. of the deaths in the world. 20% mm. of the deaths, 4% of the population. You know, we don't look so good. Uh, a lot of the right. countries mm. were much more compliant and putting on those masks. Yeah, nobody likes a mask, but if it means it saves the life of one of your neighbors, your friends, it's definitely worth it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just something you just do. You don't yeah. think about it too much. Because exactly. It's the right thing to do. And by the way, Coach, I like that preamble you gave, and I think this fits into that. We want our kids to learn passion and principles. And right. to me, one principle is you look after your fellow man, and wearing a mask is what it's all about. We haven't done that very well in this country. I just saw that a party of over a thousand kids was um, disrupted by the p- police down at FSU in Tallahassee, mm. and mm. we shouldn't That's be crazy. hearing that kind of thing. <laughs> it should yeah. be happening. You're right. You're right. I heard about a kid somewhere. They knew they had COVID, but they had a house party anyway. Oh my God! That's wow. What they told the like, yeah, mm. I, we knew we had it, but. We wanted to have a party, so we did. So it's, uh, you know, you asked about screening. Uh, let me turn this one over to Selena here. She, I think she knows more about this than I do. So this is Selena. Right. Okay, Coach Sands. Yes, we had a conversation um, outside mm. of COVID in regards to young athletes, um, typically under 35 years old. And we were talking about um, sudden cardiac death in young athletes and some of the things that could cause that. And one of the things mm-hmm. is called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And what that is is a thickness of the heart muscle. Um, it could involve just one portion, which is the septum that separates the lower chambers of the heart, or it can involve the entire heart muscle. Um, and again, this can cause. Ventricular arrhythmias and it can be fatal um, for young athletes. And some of the symptoms with that would be dizziness with exercise, um, syncope, which is another word for fainting with exercise, and a family history. So that's one of the main causes when we hear these stories about these young athletes, the football players, the basketball players, the soccer players that have just pretty much collapsed, and then they end up dying, and it's just so sad. So I have a passion for, you know, prevention. And Dr. Smith and I, we have talked about coming together and trying to um, 
do a program or, you know, provide screenings for these athletes. It's just the point of just getting the right connections and the relationships um, to do those types of things. But it's very necessary, um, especially in a time like this. And then once I'm done, I'm going to have Dr. Smith speak on um, screenings as well, um, how necessary it is with COVID-19 as well. Um, And number two, another thing is, Um, They could have congenital heart conditions. They could be born with birth defects, and they may not know it until something actually happens. And so what we do, one of the things that, you know, we do here at Carolina Cardiac Care, we do diagnostic testing, non-invasive. What that means is, say, for instance, one of the testing that we do is the echocardiograms, what Dr. Smith mentioned earlier, is called ECHO for short. All we do is we put gel on the patient's chest and we take different views of the heart. We look at the heart valves, we look if they're leaking, we look at the heart muscle, we we measure how big or how small the heart is, we look at how the chambers are pumping, that main squeezing chamber. So we do all of that information and give our cardiologists a lot to go with. Another thing Dr. Smith did mention are EKGs. That looks at the electrical component of your heart. A lot of people do not know that your heart does have an electrical component, and it works together um, to keep you healthy and to keep you strong. Um, Another test is called a stress test. And so with that, we will have the patient run on a treadmill. It will incline, and it will speed up every three minutes. So what the cardiologists look at and what we look at, we look to see if there is any blood pressure drops because with exercise, typically your heart is supposed, your blood pressure is supposed to increase with exercise. So with that, they look and they look to see if there are any EKG changes, um, any arrhythmias, blood pressure drops, or you know they look at your endurance. So it's different things that we can test diagnostically to prevent a lot of things from happening to our patients and our young athletes. Dr. Smith. I endorse all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Totally agree. Let let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. So what you're saying is after you exercise, your blood pressure should be higher, so you shouldn't check your blood pressure after you exercise. It it depends on how long afterwards. So the normal response to exercise is that the blood pressure rises. If it fails to do mm-hmm. so, that is a very bad diagnostic sign. That usually means there's something very mm-hmm. seriously wrong with the heart. But when Selena okay. does her, what we call exercise stress echo, she's doing more than just looking at blood pressure. She's actually looking at how well the heart squeezes because it's also supposed to squeeze harder as you exercise. This is, this is why athletes can perform because they can make their hearts work harder, pump out more blood, mm-hmm. and their muscles can do more work. So she she examines that whole string of events with her testing. Uh, it is very helpful. Uh, one thing before we do check out, I did want to say a couple of words about vaccines. Did you have any other issues I could touch before we go there? Well, you go ahead, and then I'll see if I have enough time after. Okay. I just want to make sure that people understand that we are seeing the equivalent of a putting a man on the moon with this vaccine development. Uh, one of my very first memories is, I guess I must have been in nursery school, and I got the Sabin polio vaccine. 
and it was on a little sugar cube. And I, I, that stands out because nobody ever given me a sugar cube to eat before, and I remember that today. <laughs> you know, the United States had an enormous polio outbreak in 1906, and it took 50 years before we had a vaccine. The last person to be living in an iron lung, and most of your young audience people will have no idea what that is. It's a big metal tube that breathes for you, and these people were essentially paralyzed from the neck down living in this big tube. That last person just died this year. So it was a horrible disease. 50 years to develop that vaccine. We're going to do in probably five or six months what took 50 years before. But that does not mean these vaccines are not going to be well tested. In fact, they are already being tested in tens of thousands of volunteers. So I volunteered to be a subject for one of the vaccines. They had already enrolled 30,000 people. Another company's enrolled 47,000. So by the time that we get that vaccine, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people will already have been tested. And when I say tested, I had to go, you know, I had to sign an agreement to be examined eight times, about once every two months, and it would take a whole day. I'd have to drive there, get examined, and then drive back. I mean, it's very, very thorough testing, and it's happening all over the world. So I will tell you that when the time comes, I will have no hesitation about taking that vaccine. And the only way we're going to beat this thing ultimately is to get the vaccine. I'm hopeful that people will begin to wear masks, uh, but, you know, a lot of people still are resisting. And I'm reminded yeah. of that Pogo cartoon that said, uh, we've met the enemy, and he is us. <laughs> it's yeah. our behaviors yeah. about this thing to keep going on. Exactly. Yeah, and that's and I think a big part of it is people are just tired of the containment, so to speak. Even though we're getting out a little bit more now, um, and I'm not making excuses because I do wear my mask, uh, but I just talking to people that and it's that's no reason not to try to protect your fellow man. Um, but that seems to be from what I hear a lot of people say they're just tired of being contained and wearing a mask all the time. But as I look at it is I'd rather be here to wear the mask and my my loved ones to be here to wear a mask than me not wear a mask and they not be here. You got it. So, uh, it's, it's hard on everybody, but, you know, we can do this. Uh, we can do this, yeah. and we, we will yeah. do it. Right, I, I was in a symposium that featured Tony Fauci, the uh, one of the heads of the NIH, uh, and Tony Fauci is predicting we're going to have over 300,000 deaths this this year alone from coronavirus, COVID. Uh, we're over 200 already. He says we're probably going to lose wow. another 100,000 end of the year. Now to give why, that, why, what, what's that based on? Just behavior, well, it's based on the behavior. Fact that we're starting a resurgence in the race. Mm-hmm. People are, as you put it, they're getting sick of it. They're going to parties, like a thousand people down at FSU. Uh, that's a pretty big right. party. We had about what 300 <laughs> in Columbia at that compress. Uh, I think it was in the newspaper. I may be misquoting that, but they were at a pool party. I, I saw the picture anyway. Those were all students, I think. So, people are starting just to do that, and based on that, the experts, and I'm not one of those experts, but people like Tony Fauci are, and they're predicting another 100,000. 
So we're going to lose. And just remember, this virus really didn't start to take effect until about mid-March. So in eight and a half months, we're going to lose 300,000 people. In all of World War II, we only lost 400,000. Wow. These are the facts we're dealing with. When people tell me it's a hoax, I want to say, why don't you just spend a day with me? Just tag along with me for a day, then tell me if it's a hoax. Exactly. Uh, right. But right. we will power through this, and I think we'll all be stronger as a result, but it's going to be tough going for a while. Right. Okay. Now, Selena, I want to go back to you for a second, um, just mm-hmm. to talk about this diagnostic testing. And now, one, we definitely want to partner with you, and we as in the West Foundation, um, just to do something for We'll, we'll figure out the specifics of it. But, one, how long does the diagnostic testing take? And, two, do you need all three, the echo, the EKG, and the stress test, or just one of them, or what do you recommend? So what, what we recommend is definitely the echo, the echocardiogram, the ultrasound of the heart. So that test, right. it takes a screening. If, we, if we're not doing a detailed full test, a screening would mm-hmm. probably take about 15 minutes. It just depends okay. on, you know, what we decide as a whole, if we're going to just do the screenings, focus on just um, a limited amount of information, or do we want the, want the full picture? So if we do the full right. picture, the test itself may take 30 minutes. At the most, I would say about 30 minutes. So an EKG does not take long at all. You can blink and the EKG is over. The the okay. longest part with the EKG is putting the little stickers on your chest. Um, so right. with that, that probably takes two, three minutes to do an EKG. So these are very, very simple, again, but necessary tests um, for screenings for your athlete. Right. Now, is the stress test because something showed up on the echo and the EKG, or if you had time, you would do all three? There may be specific indications for a stress test, but for COVID screening, screening athletes, right now mm-hmm. the recommendation is to just do the echo and the EKG. Okay. Just a very okay. simple, straightforward, quick screening. That's all office-based okay. stuff, or Selena does that. Uh, at, at different places, but it's, that's pretty easy to do. Stress testing would, would touch on some other issues that we don't necessarily have to worry about now. So I, I think it's pretty straightforward. Now, will this recommendation change? Uh, it's right. possible. Somebody has mm-hmm. uh, somebody's talked about doing screening, um, what's called magnetic resonance imaging on athletes. That is a That's going to be much more involved. And I will bet you that at the, at the end of the day, the final recommendation is going to be EKG echo because it's okay. so simple. It can be done quickly. It's relatively inexpensive. And we would target people who are in high-stress positions like athletes because they're stressing their hearts. These aren't the couch right. potatoes. These are the people that are pushing their hearts to the limit, and we want to make certain that it's safe to do so. Right. Okay. Now, I'm trying to determine whether I'm a couch potato or I'm pushing my heart to the limit. <laughs> or am I somewhere in between? Somewhere in between. What if you're a couch potato Monday through Friday, but then you push your heart on Saturday morning? <laughs> Is that like being a binge drinker? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound good. <laughs> 
doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, hey, well, hey, Selena, Dr. Smith, we do appreciate you all coming on. You gave us a lot of good information, and we will get together and, and figure out what we can do to uh, set up some type of uh, diagnostic testing um, at some point. So we're, we're going to work that out. We're going to make sure we do that at some point. Um, but to all of our listeners, um, definitely if you've had COVID or your child has had COVID, make sure you go get them an echo or EKG before you let them get back on that field or on that court just to make sure they're good because we're talking about life and death situations here. So we want to make sure that we take care of our young people. But, again, thank you all. Uh, we, we definitely appreciate it. And as as more questions come up and maybe we have some something new, we'd definitely love to get you all back on at some point. Coach, Jack, thank you for chatting with us, and be safe. Thank you, guys. We thank really you. enjoyed ourselves. Well, great. Well, hey, we'll be in touch sometime soon. Uh, thanks again. And we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in a few minutes.
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Show. We're back. Just got finished talking to Selena Allen and Dr. Ian Smith with Matters of the Heart, which is so important. And now we're going to still talk about the heart a little bit, but from a different aspect and talk about nutrition. So uh, we're welcoming on Samantha Furman. Samantha, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Um, we're doing well. And excuse me, you know, I, I, it's Sammy, um, but, but you know, hey, we, we'll give you that some math, the, the first part. But from here on, it's going to be Sammy, all right? Okay, sounds great. <laughs> now, now, Samantha, you've been in uh, nutrition for how long? Oh, gosh. Um, I've been a registered dietitian for about five years now. Okay. All right. And uh, now, just first, just from an educational standpoint, what did you major in to become a dietitian? So I did, um, I first started off doing my culinary degree in Denver, Colorado at Johnson Wales. So I did my associates in culinary arts, and then I got my bachelor's in science of nutrition, and then I went on, I wasn't going to do it, but I, um, so to become a dietitian, you have to do a dietetic internship which you essentially okay. have to apply to a program, and then you, you, if you get matched, then you get to do your internship. And if you don't get matched, you have to reapply again, which is kind of a headache. Um, so mm-hmm. I got matched. Um, actually, I cheated the system because I didn't do the online part. I found out the universities that were still taking paper applications. And right. North Dakota State was one of those universities. So mm-hmm. I got accepted into North Dakota State's internship, and when I was talking to him, I was like, okay, so I, they had an undergrad kind of grad program with their coordinated internship. So you do classes and you do your internship hours, which you do with another dietitian. And so I was like, well, I already mm-hmm. have my classes. Is there any way that I could expedite the process and just do the internship part? And they're like, well, not really, because we already have all the sites set out and the way it was planned, it's a two-year program. And I was like, okay, well, if I have to be in Fargo, North Dakota for two years, I might as well apply to grad school. So I applied to grad school, and I also got my master's in exercise science and nutrition while doing my internship. And you spent, after that, they they brought you on, and you helped them win national championships. Yeah, and actually it was all years for their – I said it was all you. You're the reason why they was winning national championships. No, 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 not at all. I cannot take that credit. That foundation was laid far before me. I just helped fuel them to, so that they can continue. Um, yeah, so I got to build that program, which was super awesome and amazing and um, mm-hmm. once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, good. So nutrition. I think that's such an important part of an athlete, really non-athletes as well, because one of the things that that I often say, and it's probably because I try to do it, you can't outwork a bad diet. So True. What kind of things should we be doing from a nutrition standpoint? Um, that's a Wonderful question. So there's so much information out there, and sometimes there's crazy information, and you get it from Instagram gurus. 
Um, but, I mean, starting at your basics, honestly, so knowing your macronutrients. So that's your carbohydrates, your proteins, and your fats. And when I first mm-hmm. meet with, um, whether it's an athlete or it's a client, I started at the basics, at the macronutrients, and I break them down. So carbohydrates kind of have a bad rep, right? People say carbs are bad. That's not my philosophy. So there's two types of carbohydrates. There's simple carbohydrates, and there's complex, and they each have a place within your diet. So simple carbohydrates are essentially all the good things in life. So that would be your ice cream and your Twinkies and your fruit snacks and your applesauces. And um, this kind of goes back to your you can't, what is it, work out a bad diet, outwork out a bad diet. Outwork out a bad diet, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so like um, choosing what you want to put in there and what you want to fuel your body with. Because carbohydrates, they're the gasoline in your tank. So thinking of your car, and for those of you listening, when you're in your car, your gasoline makes your car go. So it's the fuel in your tank. Um, But if your gas light comes on in your car, you instantly think, oh, my gosh, I need to go get gas before I run out, right? But it's Mm -hmm. easy for us on a daily basis when our hunger cues is our gas light. So if our hunger cues come on and we're just, like, super crazy throughout the day and like, oh, my gosh, I don't have time to eat right now. I'll eat later. Like, you're doing yourself, um, you're hindering your own self because that's your, your gas light. So your car, you can't ignore it because your car is going to run out, right? Or your body, you kind of mm-hmm. try and push through. But that's the big thing that I try and hit on. And so carbohydrates are that gasoline. So thinking of your simple, we hit on those, and simple carbohydrates. You have your complex carbohydrates as well. So those are like your whole grains, your brown rice, your whole wheat breads, things that some people don't necessarily like to eat all the time. But those will keep you full mm-hmm. for longer. So those are what you would have with meals. So say you have, um, for breakfast, you have oatmeal. That would be a complex carbohydrate um, as an example. And then also looking at, so there's carbohydrates and then protein. Some people back in the day and some people still have this um, perception that protein gives you energy. It can, but that's not its primary job that it wants to do. So it wants to help to rebuild and repair muscle. Um, so thinking right. of working out, you put stress on your muscle, right? So it kind of it strains it a little bit. Um, and so that protein, that's why recovery is so important. So that protein will go ahead and help rebuild and also help that muscle kind of get bigger. Um, but in order for protein to do its job, it needs carbohydrates because that's the, the shuttle that's going to get the protein to the muscle. Um, and then the last one is fats. So fats also, um, the ketogenic diet is big right now, um, but that's not all your body needs. So fats also have a, a place in your diet. Um, it helps with mm-hmm. thermal regulation, which is help keeping your body uh, the temperature, um, helps with hormones. It can also help with, so say you're a long-distance runner. So your body will use up the carbohydrate stores that it has, and then it'll dip mm-hmm. into your, your fat stores to help with continual energy, essentially. Um, and then with fats, there's also different ones. They're saturated, which are solid at room temperature, so that's your butter. Um, and then there's unsaturated, which are your ones that are liquid at room temperature, so those would be like your oils. Um, so it's kind of like the basics that I like to start at. Right. Um, so, so we should stay we should stay away from the simple carbs and concentrate more on the complex. 
So it depends. It's a, um, complex would be for meals. Simple carbs, um, I say those are those are the good things in life, and there's better <laughs> ones and not so great ones. But those could be eaten before workouts because those are going to give you your quick energy, so they're breaking down very quickly, which is why they got the the term simple, essentially. So if you think of an apple, so if you think of a whole apple and you bite into it, it's more fibrous and you have a, like your mouth has to do a lot more work chewing, right? Um, So then your body also has to work harder to break it down. Whereas if you have applesauce, it's pretty much already broken down. And so your body doesn't have to work as hard to break it down. So an apple would be considered a little bit more of a complex carb than applesauce. Does that make sense? So, so what you're saying is I can have a clump-like bar before I work out, but not with my meal? <laughs> Probably not. That's not the best meal. <laughs> Maybe that's like dessert for a you like That won't like necessarily give you the sustainable energy. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, like the I'm commercial, like the, no. the Snickers commercial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now there has been a movement. Um, I'm, I'm a long-distance bike rider, Sammy, and, you know, you read stuff and you, you end up studying a little bit. And there has been a movement kind of away from pasta-based dishes for, for carb, carbohydrates and really focusing on vegetables um, and maybe some grain, but not a lot of pasta, not a lot of, uh, you know, well, traditionally the carbo carbohydrate fueling uh meals what's your take on that 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 shift so i'm going to throw the ball back in your park and ask you what type of grain (laughs) um i don't know maybe a rice maybe a quinoa (laughs) maybe a um uh ancient grain type barley type stuff sure so and then timing of that, so are you eating that an hour before, the night before? What does that look like? Oh, no. For me personally, um, I my, my wife is kind of uh, very strict, okay. so we don't have too many, like, breads and rice dishes hardly at all. So I'm I'm pretty much a grainy and, and uh, a whole lot of vegetables and meat kind of guy. So I – you know, I, I haven't had pasta in, in years, quite honestly. <laughs> so, um, so it's not, it ain't going to happen to me. Um, so I'm kind of sold on the vegetable and maybe some grains as, as a carbo, but, but hard on the vegetables, you know, hard on the, on the leafy greens, hard on the, the colorful vegetables. Um, we'll eat a lot of vegetables in my house. So, um, so that's where I am. Okay, cool. Well, vegetables are awesome, but you do. So, you, <laughs> why I asked you what types of grains is because those carbohydrates will play. They'll be a huge indicator and also your performance. So, your body will okay. store. Um, so, carbohydrates break down into glycogen, and that's stored in your muscle deliver and your blood sugar. So, the first one that's associated is your blood sugar, then it goes to your muscles, and then the last one is your mm-hmm. liver. But mm-hmm. hopefully, you don't get there. Mm-hmm. But so then your body, your body will store, it'll have a storage point within your muscles, which is where you start to draw from. Um, but if mm-hmm. you start to feel um, like fatigued or tired, um, you're starting to cramp a little bit, your energy is just kind of plummeting a little bit, that's um, mm-hmm. your glycogen stores that are, are going down. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. thinking of so like grains, so brown rice, quinoa, those will be more of a, a whole grain, so that'll be more of a complex. So if you eat that say right. the night before, it'll kind of help. What you're essentially describing is carb loading, right? Yeah. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. 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 So if you have those the night before, your body, it's more of a whole grain option versus just straight pasta, unless you do like a whole grain pasta, which not many people do, honestly. (laughs) Um, Because it tastes like cardboard, that's why. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely has a different taste. And it takes longer to cook, and it just doesn't taste. Like if you want pasta, you're going to eat just regular pasta. It doesn't act like pasta either, quite frankly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but then there's also those starchier vegetables, too, that if you're eating more of those, so that would be like your squash, um, which could be butternut squash. Pumpkins are also considered a squash. Those are a little bit Mm -hmm. more carbohydrate-dense and a little bit more fibrous. So, and each person is honestly different, So, and each body is a little bit different. So it depends on Mm -hmm. um, what you're eating, how much you're eating, when you're eating. Right, right, right. If that makes sense. Now, from a snack standpoint, what kind of things should we be looking at from a snack standpoint? So for snacking throughout the day, I always recommend pairing a carbohydrate and a protein. Because carbohydrates are your energy, and protein is going to keep you full longer. So think of eating an apple, just eating a straight-up apple. You're going to be, most likely you'll be hungry within 60 minutes. Then if you have an apple and peanut butter or an apple and a cheese stick, it'll keep you full a little bit longer, so potentially mm-hmm. about an hour and a half to two hours, which may get you mm-hmm. through to the next meal. Okay. So okay. similar to what Everett said earlier, the protein in the ice cream and the simple carbohydrate <laughs> and the chocolate covering of that Klondike bar is a good snack, therefore... <laughs> if you're treating yourself, yes. There you go. Uh, <laughs> My philosophy is just, there's no good foods and there's no bad foods. They all just kind of fit in there. Um, <laughs> it just depends on the portion size that you're eating. So are you eating the entire cart? <laughs> all right, now. Um, one of my favorite foods. Or wings is that is that a good thing? That's protein, and I imagine it's how it's prepared. But so so, how does the preparation of it really affect what you're eating? So, if, depending on if they're fried or if they're baked. So definitely, if they're fried, they're submerged in fat, so they'll absorb a decent amount of that fat. Um, baked mm-hmm. would be better; would be more ideal. But then looking at how you also eat the wing, how much ranch do you put on it? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't like ranch. Yeah, I don't like ranch. Blue yeah. cheese. Blue no, cheese. I'm not a blue cheese. Are you not a No ranch, guy? no blue cheese. I'm sorry? What, what else do you put on your wings? Well, I mean, lemon pepper is probably my favorite, but I'll go with a buffalo okay. wing. Um, you know, if if I'm in Charleston, I go to Wild Wings and and uh, and get their their uh, honey mustard. Uh, but okay, I don't do the extra stuff. So, so that, that how, on... how that, that's fine. 
Now, i got to ask about one say, more. That's, uh, as long as they're not, like, submerged. As long as they're not what? I'm sorry? So submerged. So also depending on what your weight goals oh, are. So if you're trying to maintain or lean out, a dry rub and baked wings would be more ideal than, say, ones that were completely dredged in barbecue or honey barbecue and then fried. Um, also looking at, like, fried versus baked foods. So going back to that car mm-hmm. scenario, it's kind of – I describe it as putting diesel in a gasoline car. Think of your your body as your Ferrari. Are you going right. to put diesel and not make it run as efficiently as it could? So the fried food oh. is a diesel. Yes. Oh. Unless you're a diesel truck, then it's gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it's the wrong one, is what you're saying. <laughs> it's the opposite of it, yeah. Dang it. <laughs> but then it also comes oh, back to, like, how often are you eating it? Well, I mean, so so are you saying the, the waffle fries at Chick-fil-A fall into that bad, that diesel in a, in a Ferrari category? I mean, I'd limit yourself to once a week. Okay, okay. There's no, never any more oh, than that. Oh, yeah, yeah, we good. We good. Now, yeah. all right, as I'm going to go back to snacks for a second, we talked about an apple with peanut butter. Uh-huh. What other type of snacks do you recommend? I know you said we want to go with a carb and a protein, Um mm-hmm. But besides apple and peanut butter, what other type of things are, are, are good snacks? You could do a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You could do cheese and crackers. Oh, that's good. They have um peanut butter and jelly. If you are it depends so it depends on your weight goals. I like to describe it also as like the weight gain train. So if you're on the weight gain train, um a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is a great snack. Okay. Um, Greek yogurt. You could do a banana and peanut butter. Uh, the cheese and crackers thing, back to that, there's um, a laughing cow. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but they have it at, I think, Sam's Club. But it's like they have a little, mm-hmm. like, cheese dip in the, the stick, so I think Kraft also has a version, but this is a healthier mm-hmm. version. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you could do, like, a trail mix type deal with um, nuts and dried fruit. You can mm-hmm. even make your own okay. if you want. Um, get a little wild. Um, you could do like popcorn and almonds. I've done that before. Well, not the popcorn that's like completely drenched in butter. Right. 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 Let's see. I'm trying to think of what I've had lately. Um, even if you just need like a bar, you could grab a bar. Yeah. Oh. Like a kind bar. Mm-hmm. Let's see, now, a bowl of cereal I, I and milk. I imagine all bars aren't made equal. Are there uh, things we should look to stay away from bar-wise? Yeah, so I would look at the labels. Um, it'll also be on the back of the box. I would make sure it at least has 15 to 30 grams of carbohydrates, whatever it may be, um, and then also make sure that it has some protein because that will help with that slowing down of digestion. 
Uh, there's the like Quaker Chewy bars, which I know a lot of people mm-hmm. like, and a lot of my athletes have liked those as well. Those I would say for before a workout because those ones are basically just a carbohydrate base. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like mm-hmm. say Kind bars, they have almonds and they'll have all some other goods in there like honey or whatever that acts as your yeah. um, carbohydrate source. Yep. So I personally like those, and I'm pretty picky on my bars. Um, so there's that one. There's Nature Valley, and those are pretty cost-effective, um, and those ones are also good. They, the peanut butter and chocolate ones, those are my weakness. Um, Cliff Bars, those are mainly just a carbohydrate-based, so I would save those like before a workout if you're going to eat those. Okay. Uh, yeah. The main thing, 15, uh, 30 grams of carbs plus some protein. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good. Good. Now, um, and I've often heard that the night before or really two nights before is is really important from a rest and a meal perspective. Um, I guess because it allows your body to to really get into your body. Um, so what type of meals should I start looking at either the day before or the night before uh, an athletic event? So I'm going to throw you a curveball and <laughs> kind of say it's like the whole week, honestly. So do you train for – a game on Saturday, do you just train the last two days or do you train the entire week? Oh, well, that's true. Good point. Good point. So I, I would say that the entire week is important. Granted, depending on like, so two days before you're about to compete, obviously you need to build up those glycogen stores within your muscles. So that's when you can Mm -hmm. eat more of your complex carbohydrates. You can um, also from an inflammatory aspect making sure to get your fruits and vegetables specifically like berries those are pretty good um, anti-inflammatory and also omega-3s which falls into that pack categories um, omega-3s mm-hmm. would come from um, salmon you can take a fish oil if you want um, the biggest thing with supplements do you just have to make sure it's third party tested and then it'll tell you whether it's a good product that's a whole other subject in itself but um so making sure you have lean proteins and making sure you have a good carbohydrate and some type of anti-inflammatory aspect. So looking at your meal, maybe you want to have like a, a couscous and chicken and you could have berries. You don't always have to have vegetables with your meal. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have berries. As long as you have some fruit or vegetable, um, you're setting yourself up for success. So you can, And making sure you get three meals a day with snacks. So any normal human who isn't necessarily working out and or active as much as a young athlete and or like a collegiate or elite or elite athlete um their sport needs and um micronutrient needs are higher than those any other person <laughs> and it's like you need more so you're making sure you have breakfast lunch and dinner so say um comparing myself to an elite runner. Like, I am not a runner by any means. And so just doing, like, female to female, right? So she's going to have more caloric needs 
um, she's also going to have a higher iron need and making sure that she's fulfilling those carbohydrate needs so that she can um, run her race to her best ability is going to, she's going to need a lot more fuel than I will. So not necessarily comparing plates to with your, um, like your friends. That's a big thing too. So if I were to compare Mm -hmm. plates with her, I shouldn't be eating as much as she should. And she probably shouldn't be eating as little as I am because we are nowhere um, near competing at the same level. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, that kind of answers it. It's, so breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks, making sure you're you're getting a protein, you're getting um, a good of carbohydrate, and that you are fueling before your workouts, and you're also making sure to eat recovery after your workout. Okay. So we got to make sure we fuel before and fuel after. Yes. Now, <laughs> I've been told there's a 30-minute window after you work out that you need to put something in your system. Is that a good uh, time frame to make sure you put something back in your body, or is it actually longer? Yes. Um, Well, so research is showing about 45 minutes to an hour, but the sooner you get it in your body, the the sooner your body is going to be able to start in that recovery mode. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I say All the right. sooner the better, and then a meal within like an hour, an hour and a half afterwards. So I need to put something in there soon and then get a good meal within an hour, an hour and a half. Yes. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Well, hey, well, Sammy, we do appreciate it. Now, the thing that we didn't talk about, Sammy is actually at the Cleveland Indians game right now. Oh, wow. uh, (laughs) He is actually working with the Cleveland Indians right now. And the game, I guess, is getting ready to start. Or has it already started? Oh, it's already started. They are in the second inning, top of the second. Okay. Bottom of the second. Is it still zero? No. um, So we're playing the Yankees. It's 2-0. Yankees are up. Uh, bah humbug. Bah humbug. Hey, hopefully they're going. And we're going to get off the phone so you can uh, go on and, and support them. And I'm sure they're going to have a snack after they get off the field. And that's the last thing I'm going to ask you before we get off. What kind of snack are they going to get after the game? Oh, they're going to get a full meal. They're going to get a full meal. Um, okay. So the, I don't That's top secret. I will give you the everything, but they're going to have orzo and chicken and um, broccoli and cauliflower okay. with some, some goods in there, some spiced up vegetables, and um, and then they get another option as well. So they they eat, they get like a, a pregame meal, they get um, a snack before the game, and then they get a big mm-hmm. meal after the game. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. I didn't know that. Hey, yeah. fuel in your body. Make sure that you're putting gas in that Fiari and not diesel. Not diesel. Yeah. I do, I do want first. to point something out. I do want to point something out, Sammy. You mentioned peanut butter jelly sandwich as a good snack. Um, one thing very few people do, but I put mine in the microwave for about 15 seconds 
it kind of gooeys up that jelly and the peanut butter, and it, it makes it really, really good. Oh, I'll yeah. have to try that. Yeah, I'm telling you, when you do it again, you will never eat a regular peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You, you, never, you won't go back. You won't go back, I promise. My life will be changed. Yeah. Yes. Well, hey, but, but Sammy, we do appreciate it, and we definitely gonna get you back on here sometime soon. So uh, be ready because we will make that call to you. But uh, thanks again. Uh, enjoy the rest of the game. Hopefully, the Indians going to pull this one out. And if uh, I know it's a three game series, I find a way to win two of the three. Uh, but we appreciate it, and we will talk to you sometime soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Hey, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to bring on the head coach of Jackson High School in Georgia, Derry Myricks. We'll enjoy this, and we'll be back in a sec. Oh, the boardwalk's deserted. There's nobody down by the shore. And the ferries will ride Isn't turning around anymore The heat waves and the clouds Are just old news But I still got some sand in my shoes Sand in my shoes Brings memories of the salty everybody doing this is ever sands of the west foundation sports show um and we are at 7 30 and we got our next guest on 
Mr. Darry Myricks, who is the head coach at Jackson High School in Georgia. Darry, how's everything going? All right, things going well, going well. Uh, great to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, man, we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you coming on, spending a little time uh, out of your prep week and joining us. So, uh, first and foremost, how is the season? How many? Which week are you all in right now? Uh, man, God Almighty, it's hard to keep up with. Uh, we're actually uh, in the second week of being kind of uh, shut down because of COVID. But um, okay. we we would have we had to cancel a game. This would have been uh would have been like game four or five. But we only played two games so far. Uh, we we rescheduled the game, so we're still planning on getting them all in. But uh, we just got to kind of take this thing as it goes. So uh, we're, we're getting ready to play game three, but we should have should have been in about week five right now. Okay, how's the season been going for you so far? Besides, uh, we're one and one. Yeah, we're one and one. Uh, kids are great. Parents are great. Uh, everybody's rolling with the punches. Uh, man, it's uh, from the head coaching standpoint, uh, you know, I couldn't be happier with my kids and the way they're responding to this adversity and my staff. Uh, but, uh, no, we're just rocking and rolling. Uh, everybody's just trying to get through it. We're good. We're good. Now, we're going to go back just a little. Um, how was uh-huh. it preparation-wise? I know you didn't have spring practice. You really didn't have uh, – I would imagine you had a little bit of summer practice, not like you normally did because I'm sure it was restricted. Preseason was different. How did all of that affect your preparation leading up to uh, your first game? Uh, it was huge. And I think well, let's start back in uh, June. You know, in Georgia, we big uh, spring sports here, and uh, that was canceled. And in June, on June the 8th, um, the state came back and they let us uh, just do what they call conditioning. But we had to divide our kids up. Um, I have about 80 kids on the team, somewhere between 75 and 80 usually. And uh, so we couldn't have groups uh, over 20, including coaches. So it was so different because that means that groups couldn't crossbreed or coaches couldn't, not even me as a head coach in the beginning, could go from one group to the next. So you had to sign a coach to a group. So you never really got to mingle or meet with those kids and uh, build a relationship that the summer so 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 important during the summer. Um, that went mm-hmm. on for a few weeks, and then finally uh, they started letting us get into a bigger groups, groups of about 40 to 50, and you can bring some coaches and some kids together. Uh, Force you to do some things with coaches you really didn't want to do. Like with us, we had to ability group kids, which we really tried to stay away from typically, but, you know, mm-hmm. you had no kids that you had to work with, and you had no kids that you right. just kind of bring along slower. That's hurt us mm-hmm. a good bit because I think we lost some we lost some young kids because of that because they didn't get to right. spend time with the coaches and build a relationship. So we lost those relationships and lost a couple of those kids uh, because of that. So uh, it's been a challenge um, to kind of get it all done. But anything we can do to ensure that our seniors get a chance to play that's that's been our motto, and we want our seniors to have right. a senior season. It, it, that's probably the most important thing we're trying to do right now. We're good. Well, how many seniors do you have? I have uh, seven, well, count my manager, count my girl, my, my manager as well. So we have uh, 17. Okay. All right. Now, just to touch on just a little bit, because I imagine for those seniors, it is different right now. Um, because there was no spring practice, there was mm-hmm. no fall, there was no summer camp that they can go to. So this fall nope. season is pretty much the spring, 
and their summer camps all rolled up into one. So how has that been affecting recruiting? Uh, it's been huge. Uh, <clears throat> we're so used to coaches coming, and uh, coaches have been doing a lot of – there's been a lot of phone calls, a lot of uh, – to me and to uh, all my staff, and uh, a lot of kind of checking up on kids because coaches can't get out or aren't able to get out for whatever reason. Um, there's the, the kids haven't had a chance to really – um, especially those juniors and underclassmen, sophomores, then usually by spring ball, man, you, I'm used to about 20, 30, maybe 40 coaches coming through, and um, nobody right. came through. So none of those younger kids, you got a chance to get on the map, get out there, get get recognized, get themselves recognized. Or our seniors, the ones that are late bloomers, or the ones that were kind of, um, I'm going to say tweener guys, you know, uh, F, FCS, FBS guys that needed to have a good thing a year. And this has been critical mm. because they didn't get a chance to have the spring ball or have those things where those coaches could take a second look at them and then make a decision about them. So a lot of our kids, we got to try to be patient because they're trying to get it all, you know, one or two games, and they're pressing. And, and the coaches, quite frankly, we're pressing right. too. We're trying to get them all the touches and, and the stats and the things that we think coaches would need in order for these kids to get an opportunity and at the same time win some football games. Uh, and it's made it difficult, you know, um, to to, mm-hmm. to actually get kids out to be recruited, especially the seniors. I feel really bad for my senior because it's, it's probably most difficult for them than anybody else. And the another aspect of the seniors, and I still haven't heard any final word on it yet, is NCAA has granted all the seniors that are in college now another year. Well, actually, everybody in college now, they've granted them another year. So how is that going to affect the numbers? And I don't know if something just recently came out that that I might not be privy to. How is that going to affect the numbers for recruiting in this senior class? Uh, Have you heard? We anticipated hurt. We anticipate that hurting kids. Um, um, But I I just, uh, you know, some of our kids who may be looking for opportunities somewhere, um, and then I really don't know how that's going to affect, like you know, the grad transfer, the fifth year transfer. You know, those kids transfer to different schools. I think it's going to make, make it difficult for those kids coming out of high school to actually mm-hmm. uh, have some of those opportunities that they would have had. Um, I've been trying right. to, you know, get my kids ready for that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think it may push a lot of kids, even if they're academically proficient, for the JUCO route, you know, um, because they're going to need that extra year. And I think we'll feel the – me and my coaches talked about it. We think we'll feel the effects of that thing for at least the next two or three years. Right. Well, you know, you hit on yeah, something that I hadn't really thought about much, which is the younger kids, because that's really spring ball is, is a time um, that as a recruiter you go in and you look at specific kids and other kids catch your eye. So you go in and really yeah. get their name and start recruiting them at that time. But that didn't happen this spring. So some of the young kids are not going to be on the radar. That's a great point. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, some of our parents are saying, Coach, what are we going to do about this? Well, you can't get them on campus. Um, well, I guess you could. But, um, Coach, you can't come out. So uh, you just got to right. say, hey, because we have to just put it put it on tape. And, uh, yeah. and hopefully everything works out. Yeah. Well, I know at the Division One level it's dead. So they can't even go on campus right yeah. now. Um, I think the Division yeah. Two, they're out of there during the eval period so they can come out. And go to games, they can get kids on campus, but Division One is dead. So 
I'm not yeah. just go to a game. I don't even know. I would imagine you can't have a recruiting just because of the culture thing. They don't have a lot of times teams only have fans at the game. So it's it is definitely yeah. a different year. And and I, and again, I think there's a yeah. lot more questions right now than have answers. Absolutely, and uh, I've uh, had some conversations with some of my parents who are concerned about it. Quite frankly, I'm concerned. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that we get some better results in the spring and coaches will be able to come back out and we can talk about some of these kids um, that, need, that need an opportunity um, to show that they can play. Uh, again, I think a lot of the opportunity for some of those kids who are tweeners, some of my guys, is going to come from mm-hmm. Um, you know, the in my area, the Vet Austin State, the uh, West Georgia, uh, maybe even some of those Division three schools that, you know, I think you're going to see some of these programs um, end up being pretty good because they're going to get some talent that, that slips through yep. that, that may not have slipped through exactly. earlier. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking the same thing, Derry. There, there's going to be a trickle-down effect of the kids that might have been FBS level trickling down to, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, group of five FBS, those group of five kids will probably end up trickling down to FCS um, level. And I, I think I think you will see some kids playing some outstanding football at the Division two and FCS level that may have normally been on the, uh, you know, group of five FBS level. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and I will say this, one of my coaches on staff. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. You good? Well, one of my coaches on staff, uh, I hired him from Missouri, so he actually connects up with uh, a lot of MAC coaches. And uh, uh, he's been mm-hmm. on the phone with a lot of those guys. Those guys are pretty aggressive. And I, I think some of those, um, you know, those, those uh, they're not in the big five, uh, some of those schools, the MAC, uh, some of those conferences are, mm-hmm. are going to be, seem like they're more aggressive right now than, than the other conferences. So I think they're going to try to snag some kids that may be some good football players that just may be sitting out there. Yeah. Right, right. And the so here's another aspect to flip the coin a little bit, that because there's not a lot of film, that some kids are going to go ahead and commit and probably not say and probably be like, all right, I already committed, I'm done. And there's some other kids that might get opportunities that they might not normally get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, just say, hey, say there's mm-hmm. a, a Jack Douglas. There's a Jack Douglas that committed to the Citadel, and then University of South Carolina comes and say, "Hey, I, I want to go and sign you as a DB." And Jack's like, "No, nah, I'm good." And so now they got to go to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's yeah, some yeah. some kids that get overlooked. I think there's be some kids that get opportunities they wouldn't normally get. Perhaps. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I, I'm hey, listen. I'm probably going to be pushing my kid, especially as a senior. Um, you know, somebody offer you, you, you might want to take it. <laughs> you know, yeah. and there's, there's no holding out. There's no holding out for anything better. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to yeah. sit down and have a conversation. And, and and I think on the flip side of that, from a collegiate, from a coaching standpoint, they might be slower to offer. Um, yeah. So now, because it is true, if you get an offer, dude, you better go to take it. You don't know if another one's coming. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they might be slow to offer, and so it's it might balance some things back out because 
you know, unfortunately, college football recruiting has has become an offer was pretty much saying, I want to recruit you. Uh, a lot of you, you know, fun, funny you say that. Every, I, I've told offer. kids, I've, I've told kids, go ahead and, and, and accept an offer. It is sort of like right. um, a prom date. You know, if if you find a girl that looks a little bit better, you know, it's a little bit wrong, but you can change your prom date yeah. a few weeks before the prom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right before the prom. <laughs> from, from a coach's perspective, that's not what we want because you're pretty much saying, hey, if, if you commit, yeah. I'm taking this scholarship off the books, okay? Yeah. So it's yours. And I had a kid, this, this happened to me once. Um, well, of course, probably more than once, but once one recently. And all yeah. of a sudden, he's like, "Hey, I'm decommitting." Like, where that come from? Why? Because he did it on Twitter. He didn't call and say, "Hey, I'm decommitting." He did it on Twitter. Yeah. And oh, he thought he was going to get a better offer, and he didn't. And then he tried to call wow. back and recommit. And I was like, "Dude, I told you if you decommit, now I have huh? to." Because I got to make sure we have our team. Go, I go to the next guy. Yeah. 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 And yeah. we got another commitment. He called back, said, I want to recommit. I'm like, too late. <laughs> wow. You know, you know that's a term, <laughs> a, a term that I hadn't heard recently, just in the last few years, is committable offers. That term yes. has not come out. Committable offer. I, as a football from a high school standpoint, I'm like, man, what's that mean? Like, like if you offer a kid and the kid commits, then that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a committable yeah. offer, then why offer the kid in the first place? You know, and that's I, 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 I don't get what, that. What does that, yeah. what does that and, term mean? And, Derry, that's, that's, that's what I was saying, that an offer had almost become just the saying, hey, I want to I recruit you. Because there were kids that, you know, want to commit, and you're like, no, nah, we can't accept your commitment yet because you ain't been up here. Well, that's one thing as a college coach <laughs> that I was like. I want you to be able to see campus before you commit. You know, at least uh-huh. we got to have something. Just it's crazy because on one hand you feel like I have to go on and give an offer to get in the game, uh-huh. but at the same time, yeah. you know, hey, I need you to get here so I get to know you better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and, uh, so uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Coaches offer kids. But if the kid commit, if kids commit, then the school won't accept the kid's commitment. You know, it happened to a couple of my kids sometimes. Not yet, can't accept their commitment. You know, cause, yep. you know, I always figured because the kid's probably not high enough on the board, high enough to get an offer. But there may be somebody else at that spot that they wait on. You can't kind of wait and see see how that tree see what takes out with that kid, and kind of so on and so on. But I know. Yeah, it, it probably depends on the situation. It might be different in every situation. Um, but yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of offers that are not committable offers. And, and yeah. that's, yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of where recruiting has, <laughs> has gone to. Um, but I think where we are right now is sort of pulling that back a little bit because kids are ready to commit. Yeah. Uh, because on the yeah. same on the same notion, you keep offering kids and they want to commit, and you keep saying no, that word's going to get out, and next thing you know, you know that kid that you want to commit won't yeah. because he said, "Well, you two other guys already tried, and you don't want to set the commitment." So, 
Yeah, and they do island. talk. All of them talk. Yeah, all these kids are connected oh, yeah. these days. Yep, social media is connected in big time. They're connected yeah. in big time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So the committable offer thing is definitely different in, in a newer term. Um, and I wonder if the way things are right now with recruiting being so much slower and really a lot of evaluations can be put on the season. Is it now, hey, if I offer this kid, it's a real offer, and if he commit, I'm going to take him. Because um, I think what a lot of kids are going to do is start taking those offers. So mm-hmm. some of those uh-huh. guys that are tweeter between group of five and power five, they're going to take that group of five offer, and some of those power fives might be yeah. looking. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the SAT, ACT, um, Adjustment. I, I don't know what else to call it. To call it adjustment for this for this tour, for this class of twenty one. It's also a deal too, because um, if I understand it correctly, yep. you know, basically um, the SAT ACT requirement has, for the NCAA has been waived, and so yep. now I guess that reverts back to the school whatever standard they want to have to let a kid in. So now exactly. kids can get kids in that may maybe have been in the past, you know. Um, old term prop forty eight kids or or JUCO kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, if, if we can get them in. Yep, that is very true. So so that's a there's a lot of doors opening at the same time. Though um, I don't think the NCAA is increasing the number of scholarships, so they're giving kids right. one more year, but but they're not increasing the the number of scholarships school have. So schools will mm-hmm. keep, keep keep kids that they think can help them. And if you're a senior, and I don't think you can help me next year, then I'm going to let you graduate and go. Um, but if you're a senior, you probably come back a fifth year and help me, then I'm going to give you another year. I, I don't know if that's school yeah. choice or that's kid choice. I, I, don't, I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and it probably might combination. Be, yeah, it might be that you're saying, hey, because of this, he's, that, that senior is not going to count towards your scholarship count. You're just going to keep him on scholarship. So, I mean, it's yeah, that would be a very good solution. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, would, that would be a good solution. I hadn't heard that yet. So that's from the high school standpoint. That's what we're telling people, telling our parents. We're saying, uh, we're not sure because uh, because I don't know if the schools are actually in turn losing scholarships for freshmen or are they exactly. going to not count them as, exactly. in their scholarship count. So uh, I hadn't heard any clarification on that, so I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, I have not either. So and I think that's that that's going to be a a huge part of the recruiting class because again if now all of a sudden my seniors aren't leaving I don't have that many scholarships anyway but if that exactly. senior I don't have to count you now I can still go out and recruit my regular class because it, on one hand if your seniors come back and they count then now I got two classes in one class and that means I'm going to have right. to get a huge class on the following because I'm losing that many scholarships and that's going to throw off the balance of my recruiting. Oh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. next year, you're going to lose yeah. two kids. Yeah, you're going to lose, yeah, two sets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, again, you still can only sign 25 kids a year, but if I lose 30 kids, that means I'm going to be five scholarships yeah. short. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, it's uh, a lot to think about. 
and, and I think yeah. that uh, I imagine that NCAA is going to come out with something here shortly and sort of put everybody on the same page. A lot of uh, uh, high school coaches say the, the the more scholarship money you can give out, the better. We know the money's there. I mean, that's not arguing. Right. The money's there. Right. I mean, you right. can you can give a few more kids. You can give a few more kids opportunities. That's all we're about. I mean, how many opportunities right. can we help our kids create for themselves? So uh, if, right. if they can create more opportunities for kids to go to school and and better themselves and their families, then I think that's a winning that's a win win for the NCAA and for college football. Exactly. And, Jerry, one thing that I'll do is I'll make sure that I'll get you uh, some information on uh, scholarship okay. momentum. Momentum. Um, that is a, okay. a group that helps kids find non-athletic scholarship money. And, okay. Uh, yes, sir. It, it, they got started because – these two ladies, their two sons, had over $1.6 million in non-athletic scholarship money. That's how much they got. Wow. Now, of course, they didn't use it all because some of it was to specific schools. Um, but there's a lot of scholarship money out there. And so I'll make sure I get you their contact information. We had them on a couple of weeks ago. Um, but all it's right. definitely the avenue that you can find a scholarship for just about anything nowadays. And some of them go on you, so oh, yeah. that would be good to get that information to your players. I would love, love to do that. I, I got some t- academically talented kids on my on my staff that, you know, good football players, but they're going to make some assistance. So that would right. be great. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So we'll make sure we get that information to you. We'll make sure we will. So who do you have this week coming up? Uh, we are <clears> – <throat> this Friday we're actually off uh, – we we had the number two team in the state coming in, Chris County, and uh, but the, uh, our quarantine, COVID quarantine, then we had to move that game. I'm really broken up about that one, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we still got to we still got to face them on the thirty. Um, that'd be a good game for us, but uh, we got Pike County, and we have uh, we moved senior night from being the last, you know, senior night usually the last home game of the year. We moved it up to this home game because we just we just want to make sure we go ahead and honor our seniors. Uh, while we have a yeah, chance. Right. So we'll have senior night on the October the 9th versus Pike County uh, just to make sure we get it in and honor our seniors, so, which is a, a close-by rival for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it ought to be a, a pretty good game. And, uh, man, it should be packed out. Well, we, we're limiting um, stand seating. Um, our stadium holds about 3,000. Uh, we only allow about 1,000 people in the stands right now. So, uh um, they were looking at going up with that number, but it depends on what the what the um, positive uh, COVID cases look like in our county, uh, whether or not they'll go up on that number. So uh, right. it, it ought to be fine now. Okay. Well, hey, well, just so you know, we're 1-0 for high school coaches that play um, after they come on, so so that is uh, you got to make sure you keep that streak going. <laughs> we put a little pressure. Yeah, we need. <laughs> I see your face on the game. Let me know when he's wrong. No pressure, no uh, pressure, Derek. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna try to execute and get it done. Um, right. Man, I yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to speak with y'all guys and uh, from my time at the Dell, uh, and I, I'm just being real, um, and I. I heard about y'all guys a lot, you know, um, 
without a doubt, both of you. East fans, back members. I mean, y'all guys two legends. Um, uh, and being a, a younger you, guy who came in after, after y'all, uh, and it was like, you know, you felt even though I didn't know y'all, you felt like you had some stuff to live up to. There were some other guys, some other names people threw around, but I was like, man, that's, that's crazy. You know, glad to be a part of it. Glad to talk to y'all tonight. <laughs> you guys glad to have it. We, we're glad yes, that uh, you are you you share ran that ring with us too. Absolutely. Hey, good luck the rest of the year, and uh, and hopefully we'll yes, get sir. you back on later on as you're preparing for the playoffs. All right. All right, that'll work. That'll work. We we're going for a, well. We already set a school record. Going for a school record. We've made the playoffs seven consecutive years. Um, we go or six consecutive years. We're going for seven this year. So uh, want to see we keep it rolling. All right. All right, man. We'll keep it. You can do it. Keep it rolling. Yep. All right. Hey, again. All right. Again, uh, Derek Myers, who is the head coach of Jackson High School in Georgia, and they're going to make sure they continue that streak because after they come on, they're going to get that win. Man. But hey, appreciate you coming on. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a little break, and we'll come back with our last guest.
Sports Show. Uh, we're back with our last guest of the night. Uh, this this young man is a good friend of mine. It is Elton Polly. He's the head coach at PC Presbyterian College in baseball. Elton, how's everything going? Uh, it's going well, Everett. Thank you for having me on, and uh, really appreciate the introduction. And uh, I hear you have our, our good friend co-hosting with you, Mr. Jack Douglas, tonight. So just glad to be on with you all. Hey man, we're glad to have you on. We're glad to have you on, man. The uh, well, first of all, the baseball is starting their uh, playoffs tonight. He yeah, had a chance to watch yeah. Game. Uh, I have not, man. We've been, we've been, we've started practicing, and with the with the new protocols in place, everything's taking an extreme amount of time commitment during the day uh, and into the evenings, but. Um, but I do know, you know, who's really good right now. Obviously, I'm a National League guy, and uh, looking at the Dodgers, the Dodgers look really, really, really good right now. So uh, yeah. I would anticipate they would be there in the end. Now, we actually uh, we had uh, Sammy Furman on earlier, who's a nutritionist or a dietitian. She's actually working with the Cleveland Indians, which they're oh, wow. down right now to the Yankees. Oh man! So, well, the Yankees, I think, are like a number five seed. That's a sneaky five seed uh, in that American League, and I, you just don't want to face them, boys. I mean, they can obviously they can hit, and and everything else is going yeah. on, but uh, <clears throat> it's playoffs, man. It's playoffs. Anything can happen for sure. Yep, yep. Win or go home. Win or go home. So that's right. But uh, you so you mentioned it earlier, and and we definitely want to talk about that, you know, at, at length. Um, you mentioned the, the new protocols because of COVID and all of that. So your season got cut short in the spring. Um, that is, talk about what you all have been doing since since the the season got cut short and and what you're doing now. Well, I mean, what 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 happened in the in in the uh, in the spring was. Uh, I guess to say devastating would uh, would be an understatement. We were we were actually uh, on the practice field on a Thursday, getting ready to go to Winthrop to open up conference the next day, and mm-hmm. the AD came to the field and and uh, made the announcement that the season was being shut down. And mm. I had already spoken to the players uh, because there was some talk about different things happening and a lot of different things going on around the country that 
gave the indicator that things may be headed in that direction. Um, right. As we know now, uh, those decisions were not uh, knee-jerk decisions. They were warranted. Uh, but nonetheless, it was a tremendous amount of disappointment in communicating with our seniors and really not knowing what was going to happen at that point. Uh, because there was mm-hmm. a time lapse with us being able to decide or the NCAA deciding that they would allow uh, the seniors to come back. And really what it boiled down to is institutionally, what would the institutions be able to do, particularly mm-hmm. with uh, no real increases in scholarship, uh, but the NCAA came back and expanded roster sizes to to make it so that if – uh, institutions could allow the players to come back, seniors, uh, and also granting everyone that was involved in last year an additional year of eligibility uh, that they would be able to do so. So uh, since since that time, I mean, basically we were shut down and not really able to do anything, couldn't get out on the road, um, and haven't been able to do so division-wise as the dead period has been extended all the way through the first of the year. And so it makes recruiting extremely difficult and, and a lot of other things. And so we had been on the road a tremendous amount early, uh, got a lot of the jump on seeing some of the younger players, the juniors, uh, even mm-hmm. some sophomores, also seniors, and then the junior college market as well that we recruit. Uh, so we, we had a jump on a lot of names that we were able to, to kind of still circle back to. And, uh, and it's, to be honest, there's, there's a lot of panic going on because uh, of the bigger roster sizes uh, that were expanded, but there's a number of factors, especially in baseball, because you have the uh, the Major League bat, uh, the major league draft element. Uh, and then when they shrank the, the draft down to, you know, 10 rounds, uh, it kind of it left a lot of guys in limbo uh, or right. back on their previous rosters that would have normally uh, been drafted and, and uh and chosen to to go to pro ball. So, so anyway, so we've been just uh, just doing the best we can with recruiting and communicating, and and really, it's, it's given us a lot of time to spend with our current guys to to coach them up and and um, and just really be, uh, I guess, very transparent in our communication uh, with with not really knowing uh, what the spring's going to bring because they had a lot of talks about playing fall sports in the spring and still having those talks. Uh, football has. Mm pretty much move forward, at least with the Power Five conferences and some of the mid-major conferences. Um, but you still got sports like volleyball and and, uh, and then your winter sports with bas- basketballs that are that are still figuring those things out. And then, obviously, getting to the spring sports. So it's a little bit of limbo going right. on, but, uh, but we're still trying to coach with great anticipation that we'll be able to play this spring. Okay. Well, good. The um, – <clears throat> Now you said that they expanded the roster, right? Yeah. For the Eight. for baseball. For so baseball. They expanded yeah. the roster. Uh-huh. Um, so therefore, the seniors aren't really counting against you, and you were able to bring in the freshmen. That is correct. So right. basically, in, in baseball, we've got a, typically a thirty-five man roster limit, and when they first implemented the I guess seniors able to come back uh, it was it was being held at the 35 man roster limit plus the additional seniors uh, but 
through the American Baseball Coach Association, which is the the ABCA, um, which is the basically the division or, or all of college and high school baseball. A lot of coaches that are members of the ABCA, um, through the leadership of the ABCA, we've got a voice to communicate with the NCAA or at least a lobby on our behalf, even though they cannot submit legislation that has to come from the conferences, uh, that the roster sizes simply and quite frankly just needed. They they were too restrictive with the number of freshmen that were signed, uh, the number of junior college players that were signed, basically incoming guys versus the guys coming back. So for this year, they expanded the roster beyond 35, and it's basically an unlimited roster right now that teams can carry for this year. Now, at some point, it'll hit a head uh, because the thought mm-hmm. is, at least in theory, that they will go back to the 35-man roster uh, for us going into next year. But, I mean, there's a lot of power fives with a lot more kids and even some mid-majors with a lot more uh, kids that are on their rosters than this 35. I mean, I've heard upwards of 55 to 60 kids on rosters. So Man. reverting back, you're going to put kids in limbo at some point. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's – and I guess because they're giving everybody an extra year, it's it's kind of like, well, the next year, are they going to expand it? Because it's – they got another year now. Um, well, it's one thing to so expand yeah. it, but it's one thing to have the money to do it. Um, right. Yeah, and, yeah. Know, you know, so as you did, I mean, I think I think this, you know, in my opinion, uh, across the board, this creates a great divide between the haves and have-nots, and right. and those that are in institutions that can can do this, uh, that are not enrollment driven, uh, in addition to uh, whatever other endowments they may have uh, to be able to fund the general student population. But a lot of teams, a lot of schools uh, that are uh, our side, uh, and even slightly bigger, uh, are, are are driven by their uh, are driven by their their uh, athletic teams to to aid in the in the, in the enrollment numbers. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so so there's pluses to expanding that roster, but still the funding of those kids uh, is in question, and the scholarship amounts uh, have remained the same. So, you know that 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 makes it tough. It makes it extremely tough. Right. Now, I would imagine across the board that there's going to be a bunch of kids that say, hey, I got an extra year. I'm probably not going to play here, but let me transfer. How that do you think that's going to play you into You mean that, transfer down more they likely? Got a free year. Um, yeah, so they, so they got a free year. So how is that going to also play in a part into that? Figuring out their roster. Well, it really depends on when that year happens. I mean, what we found ourselves doing is is recruiting our own players. You know what I mean? It's, it's like <laughs> yeah. you you, yeah. you got to talk kids into into staying uh, in some regards, but mm-hmm. also across the board. I mean, where are they gonna go? You know, most of these other rosters are full. So, you know, if they right. if they're in the first two years or three years of of college, I wouldn't say that third year. Uh, I say that loosely, but you know the junior college option is is a real option. I mean the Division twos and, and even the D threes now are seeing expanded rosters, and a lot of them 
I know when we before we transitioned to Division One, it was it was, you know, there was no real roster limit, so we could bring in as many kids as as we could. Now, thankfully, mm-hmm. the philosophy of the athletic directors that I've had in the institution uh, that I work, um, they have been a lot more conscious of you bring in too many kids that, and then you're not able to out them with a great student athlete experience. So that's important right. uh, on that of it. So you don't want kids going back to certain areas that you, you know, you give kids an opportunity to say, walk on to your program and they have a less than um, desirable experience. And you got the, the, the five star, the four star, or three star kid coming out of that same area who's friends with the family of the kid that you just uh, didn't give the good experience. Mm-hmm. So it could affect your recruiting negatively in those, in those areas. So we have to be careful with, with really driving the numbers up for what it's worth if you are not in a position to provide a, a grade A experience for, for the student athlete. So, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing everything affected. It's, it's, it's really unbelievable to me right now. Um, mm-hmm. They, they chose to expand the roster sizes in baseball rather quickly uh, as they saw some of the fallout from um, what they did, what they did and, and, and were able to do. So, I, I'm not so sure that they will not hold these uh, these changes, these temporary changes in place until this thing has a chance to kind of trickle away, if that makes sense. Because you're right. going to feel the effects yeah. of this for at least four years until that extra year is gone with mm-hmm. all these classes. You know, I think that's wow. going to be, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I think that's how you're going to feel that effect. And so, I mean, you mm-hmm. just think about it. Where's where the bottleneck right now? The bottleneck is – is at the high school level where kids are graduating seniors that didn't get to play their senior year, that didn't, didn't get a real chance to get a look and get recruited. Now mm-hmm. they're choosing exactly. more. <clears throat> they're choosing post-grad years. Uh, so you see a lot of post-grad academies. There's one uh, that's in Lexington that actually uh, does a great job of uh, talent development. I'm real close with them. There's a Christian aspect to what they do. Uh, so it fits kind of what we do. And, and we've got a, uh, one of the kids that's involved with our program as a senior, he was not a post-grad kid, um, but we signed him. He's a freshman uh, at our place, but, um, you know, that, that type of institution exists. Now, you see it a lot more in Florida. You see it a lot more uh, in Georgia, mm-hmm. and even as you matriculate out west and even in the northeast. Um, but it's starting to pop up here in the south because these kids are looking for that opportunity. And so in baseball, junior right. college is not – uh, just a place where you go to get your grades right. It is a developmental mm-hmm. with some very good junior college guys, particularly in our region. Uh, we see a lot in Florida, uh, Region 10, which is right around here, and a lot of the high school kids that we may or may not have followed uh, for one reason or another, uh, they go to junior colleges and they develop. Next thing you know, those guys are prospects or guys that can help your program. So, so junior college right. is actually in baseball an option, a real option. Uh, but now, I mean, you're going to see those rosters inflate as well. You're going to see you know, mm-hmm. all the way across the board. So, you know, I heard you guys talking about it on the football level where guys will get offered. I mean, the tendency is going to be to commit. And I, I'm with you 100% ever in one of your comments in that was that, you know, coaches, as a college coach, I mean, for me, your word is your bond. And so when you commit, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that means everything to me. And that's that's – that's how yep. we recruit. We've stopped looking once we sign a kid in that position or, or get a commitment in that position. So to go against that 
really hurts because at that point we have probably passed on some additional kids that were in the mix uh, when we signed that player. So, right. Anyway, yeah. you know, long and short of it. Yep. But it's, you know, another thing that I, I thought about, and it just didn't, it didn't really hit me until today, is that if with these seniors they give them another year, um, and then the next group of seniors are real seniors. That's two classes you have getting ready to graduate. And then you still only get your certain amount of scholarships. You know, in football, you only you can only sign 25 a year. Uh, but I just had two senior classes to leave. Um, so that means I probably have more guys leaving than I have scholarships, and that's going to be – that's going to affect, you know, the whole recruiting cycle for the next couple of years. So that's, mm-hmm. I think that's and, definitely hey, how you and, and you probably ahead, didn't bring in the that you wanted to bring in because of those seniors <laughs> coming back. You know, yeah, I mean, you you gonna catch it on the front yeah. end and the back end. You're gonna have some gaps and some disparities in your recruiting. Uh, you know, the, the recruiting shakedown. So, you know, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's different at, at 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 a place like Presbyterian from the aspect. It's more. It's more. It's more normal. Uh, we're, we're more in a normal cycle because we were not. We graduated ten guys out of our program, and we were only able to afford, uh, and that's institutionally based. Even though the NCAA said, "Yeah, you can bring your seniors back," we could only really afford to bring you know two of those guys back. Uh, so, mm. and the other uh, many of the wow. other guys that already had graduate school plan. I mean, PC is an academic institution. Um, that I'm a, a very proud alum of, but at the same time, you know, when you're coaching the sport, we don't we don't have graduate school uh, for the general student population. Now we've got pharmacy school and some of the medical um, um, aspects of what we mm-hmm. offer in a graduate program, but we don't have your MBA program or people going to get the masters in, in, in education. So where we're able mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I can. I was able to convince two of my seniors to come back. Grad school was already set up at some other places where it made sense. These guys are coming back in our situation to either double major uh, and or carry um, an additional minor uh, at mm-hmm. the at the bachelor level. So, you know, that that's where it hinders us, a school like us that does not have that graduate school in, in place, where we're going to lose a lot of our kids. So the recruiting was the same. So, you know, we got those two seniors back, and now you got the seniors that also have, um, you know, that are, I guess, the, the juniors from last year that are the seniors that have an additional year if we're able to bring them back. Uh, but mm-hmm. we're still in line with how we recruited on the front end with our freshmen. We brought in a very strong freshman class, and, right. you know, we intend to do the same this year. It was a low junior college year for us. Uh, but we usually have a pretty good mix of that, but it all depends from year to year. So, I mean, it, it's a juggling act, a, a very tough juggling act, depending on everyone's situation within what the NCAA has done. All right. Now, just to stay in the same uh, field but switch just a little bit, from a recruiting standpoint, you didn't have the spring you didn't have the opportunity to go watch him play this summer. So how is that affecting the guys that you're looking at? I know, and I, and I imagine there was some summer ball this summer, uh, but it probably wasn't as much as normal. 
So it's still not the same evaluation cycle that you that you normally have. But how is that affecting the, the recruiting cycle? Man, I'll tell you this. I probably know more about Zoom and Google Meet than I care to know about ever in life. And <laughs> it, <laughs> I mean, I can tell you at certain places in my house when it's going to freeze up and, and, and where I need to be and, and what time of day it is for, for the stream to be coming through like it needs to be. Uh, but that's kind of the, what we've had to take advantage of is is the technology right. aspect of it that brings or that brought the tournaments that we would normally recruit uh, right mm-hmm. here to my desk. So I've spent hours right. upon hours sifting through a video, which is much, much, as you know, from watching film and, and chopping it up and everything else. Not, there's, there's really nothing that simulates being able to recruit. I mean, you can see whether a kid can hit, whether a kid can throw, whether a kid can run on video. But for us, especially at some of the at a smaller school where where I don't I can't bring in five guys that have the same athletic uh attributes and and let them duke it out and then allow it to rise. I've got to be right at PC. I just don't have that right. luxury. So I mm. the the character aspect that goes along with that in the recruiting process. Now we talk to people on the phone, you get to know them. Uh and what we kind of been able to do is set up Zoom calls for the actual recruiting once we get a kid that we're really interested in, talk to him and his family through that process. Uh, but just like the general student population, I think the way that you get around the visit, obviously you can't be involved in it during a dead period, but they are still able to visit your campus at, just like the general student population if it's open to do that. Um, and at our right. campus, that they, they've started doing more of that and the tours, and but they offer the virtual tours as well for the people that cannot get on campus that we recruit. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's made it difficult. It's made it a lot more. You, ha- you have to trust a lot more. Uh, but the intangibles of being able to see a kid in person and whether or not mm. he picks his teammates up. Like, I, w- I want to see, you know, everybody sends you a highlight video of a kid hitting a home run or stealing bases or striking people out. But I want to see how a kid reacts when he punches out. You know, I want to mm. see right. whether the helmet explodes in the back corner of the dugout or – you know, if he's picking his teammates up and how quickly he gets back to doing that, uh, does he pick up the trash after, you know, after the game? You know, those are things that mm-hmm. I like to watch. Mm-hmm. How does he address his coaches? Uh, is it is it yes, sir, or is it you – know, all, all of that stuff plays in. Now, you can teach some of that, especially if you've got a culture of it. But, man, you don't want, you don't want, to, you don't want to bring in uh, something that's outside of your culture into your program that could affect it in a negative way, for sure. So right, that's a piece right. that I – is getting left out with what we're doing right now. Now, one of the things, and, and I think is, I think is extremely important, um, and it seems like you put a big emphasis on it as well. But character, and, and, and I always I revert back to what I consider my favorite book, and that's by John Maxwell. And the name of the book is "Talent Is Never Enough." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you alluded to it there. Character is such an important part of the recruitment process, oh, and man. that is something that is, as you said, hard to to know somebody's character by what I see on a video. You got to try to get to know them and see them and be around them to get a good feel of their character. Uh, but because I, I believe that you can have a great player 
And if his character is faulty, it's going to end up costing you somewhere down the line. Oh, no question. No question. I mean, what it does is it compromises your coaching uh, because you've got to mm-hmm. spend an additional amount of time. Uh, and, and some players need that. And I think there's, a, there's, there's definitely a balance. Um, but at our level, I mean, there's a lot of weight placed on, on, on winning games, but there's also a lot of weight placed on the graduation rate, your APR, all of those things that are mm-hmm. important. And so I'm trying to project how all of these things are going to factor into, into that in, in, this, in this kid's development. Even if he's a marginal student, I want to know like, what's his aptitude, how he works, you know, and, and whether or not the culture that we plant him in can, can have a positive effect you know, if he is a, a, a great player, and I'm, I'm willing to take that chance, uh, but not all the time. I mean, I, I can probably only handle one of them on the team at a time. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, I'm, so I'm really watching those things uh, because I know if you got more than one, it's going to really take more of your time. And so that's, that's really where I try to be, you know, from a character aspect, number one, you know, you hope to, to, to try to live in such a way that they can at least look up to or at least respect, you know, how you go about your business, uh, particularly with family and all of the things that we preach in our program. Um, but it really goes down to, you know, the, the, the culture that you put them in and really how their character is going to be developed in and through that. Now, you know, you've got those high-character kids that you know you can build around and you've seen it. And, and and those those are luxuries to have, and 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 for us, you know, especially if there's a, a high level of talent, with man, you, you you spend the money on those kids because those are the ones you build around and that can bring people up. So you know, I don't think there's any substitute for for the character aspect of it. I watch it. I mean, I even you know, I, my son plays uh, you know little league and travel ball now, and it's something I even watch just being around a lot of the kids and the parents and everybody everybody else. So. You know, if you're talking to parents or you're talking to, um, you know, even some coaches, especially as what I'm seeing right now is developing into into a little bit of a panic mode. I mean, everybody kid is great. You know, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, don't, yep. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, and 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 I have to put some some merit to that because they've seen them a lot more than I have in a recruiting set. So, I mean, I can tell you whether a kid can play. Uh, in a matter of maybe one or two innings uh, of watching them play, sometimes less than that. But the intangible piece, I need to see that kid five, six, seven, eight times. I need to meet with him. I want to sit down at his table. I want to go to his house. I want to, you know, I want to know exactly what we're dealing with. I want to know their home situation. And then I also, mm-hmm. you know, in the way that I coach, I want them to be open. And so I, I express a lot of vulnerabilities with my team that I probably don't even share with my family at times, but just things that are, you know, I tell my, my, my kids when I'm not feeling quite right or when I've had to deal with uh, a tough week. I mean, last week was one of those weeks dealing with, um, you know, friends that passed away and, and whatnot and dealing with some other uh, mm-hmm. player issues. And so I want them to be able to come to me to be able to communicate when they are having those types of issues because you guys know as athletes and and guys that have played this, you know, played football um, and even other sports, man, it's it's all it's virtually impossible to to play at your highest level with something diverting your attention. 
So we want to give yep. them those outlets to make sure that we've got the right character of kids that can communicate and open up to be a, a viable part of, of our organization anyway. Yeah, that's, that's very important, man, because, again, if you got something on your mind that you're not focused in, you're not going to be as effective. Um, no way. It's, it's best. No way. It's, <laughs> yeah. Especially trying to hit a 50-plus mile fastball and, and then a slider and a breaking ball. So, I mean, I, you know, or a changeup. I mean, it's, I mean it's, that's, that, that is a hard skill to master. And so, you know, if they got something on their mind, you know, other than, you know, biochem or something like that, which I don't want to hear. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, that's uh, – they can talk to their tutor about that, those kind of things. But, you know, I want baseball to be their outlet. I want I want it to be their shrine yeah. when they come out to – not that we're worshiping it, but it's like a, it's it's a place where they can get away to, and really, really explore the skills that God has given them. Yep. Exactly. You know, it, it sounds like, it sounds, and, I, and I wouldn't expect anything less from you, Elton, but it sounds like you expect a lot from your players. Uh, well, before you even make a player a member of your team, you expect a lot from them. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is. This is this is livelihood for for me, you know. But it's not a, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I I get to do a lot of things a lot of people do not because this job affords me the time, especially being a head coach, to be able to, you know, spend a lot spend time with my family during the off seasons and, uh, but it also gives me a lot of time to read a lot. It gives me a lot of time to, to meditate and pray a lot and and uh, and really communicate a lot with with my team. So. I, I try to make sure that I'm engaged, man. I, I talk to er, – I call every single guy at least every other week. One time mm-hmm. at least to see how they're doing during the summer months. Uh, I still yeah. do that while they're in school, you know, and now it probably reverts right. more to a text message or whatever just to check in. But you have to have those open lines to know where they are, yeah. especially this day and age, man. It's just so much that they can get pulled. And now, especially with, you know, COVID affecting the team the way – uh, that it has from a protocol standpoint, I got to know you're on point and that you're bought in and you're going through the necessary sacrifices so that we can practice and then so that we can play. Right. Hey, well, we definitely appreciate it. Um, appreciate you coming on, and we'll definitely get you back on sometime soon. Um, but we are actually getting ready to go to a break, and we'll come back and we're going to wrap this down. Uh, we had Elton Pollock on with us, the head coach of PC Baseball. And, again, we appreciate you, Elton, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Y'all have a good night. Take care, buddy. All right. See you, Jack. All right. When the night has come, and the land is dark And the moon Is the only Light we'll see No, I won't Be afraid Oh, I won't Be afraid Just as long As you stand Stand by me So dark If the sky that we look upon 
to tumble and fall For the mountains should crumble to the sea I won't cry, I won't cry No, I won't shed a tear Just as long as you stand Stand by me And all Foundation Sports Show, and I have my co-host for the night, Mr. Jack Douglas. We had a great show tonight. Um, we started off with uh, Ms. Selena Allen and Dr. Ian Smith just to talk about uh, the importance of the heart and making sure that you get checked. And we also uh, learned some things there because, one, we learned we don't know all the effects of COVID in the heart, but there are some effects of the heart, um, such as an inflamed heart or an enlarged heart. So some different right. things. So if you, uh, if if uh, one of your teammates or anybody makes sure they go get an echo or an EKG before they get back on the field, just to make sure that they're careful. Um, right, Doctor Ian Smith. Pretty, did, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did indicate that we don't know the long term effects. And we don't know the short-term effects of having just recovered from COVID, especially uh, right. with this, you know, especially with athletes or people who tend to raise their heart rate, um, whether they're recreational athletes or not. So, so really, the mm-hmm. key is to go get that echocardiogram, that EKG, to to yep. check your heart thoroughly before you resume the exercise. Exactly, and that should take no more than about 15 minutes. Um, and if they find something, it might have you do a stress test. Uh, but the key right. is if you were diagnosed with COVID, even if you were asymptomatic, because um, he was talking about that study where there was 26 and nine of them, even though they were asymptomatic, still showed an inflamed heart. So mm-hmm. you want to make sure that if you were diagnosed or somebody that you know, whether it's a teammate or a loved one, that before they get out there and start, back to full activity. They go get checked. Um, then we had Sammy join us, so we can talk a little nutrition. <laughs> and she gave, uh, you know, she told me it wasn't all right for me to have a, uh, 
a Klondike bar before I work out, and definitely not good before I go to bed. So I got to make sure I cut back on my Klondike bars. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Klondike. So the chocolate on Klondike is so thin. You need to try Hagen Dazs. They have a thicker layer of chocolate on their um, on their ice cream bars. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, don't, don't advice try to do from that. A, what's that? I said, don't try to do like that. Give me something else. I mean, I have to go buy something else. I'm gonna try to just <laughs> just not deal with. But but one of the things that was and that she talked about was popcorn and almonds. You know, I I yeah. never thought about putting them together, and uh, and of course my wife loves to get popcorn, so maybe I just throw some almonds in there and we can. And she doesn't slap my hand as I try to get some of it. Yeah, um, and you but, have, you have a balanced snack at that point. And she did mention exactly. what was it? Banana and peanut butter. I mean, bananas yep. and peanut butter. Yeah, that's that's something bananas I haven't had peanut butter either. Yeah, well, I've had some bananas and peanut butter before, and apples and peanut butter. I've had so apples, it's, uh, apples and peanut butter, but does the yep. peanut butter? spread very well on a banana like it does an apple? I mean, the banana seems like it would break a little more easily. Well, you, you, I, when, I, when I've seen it, <laughs> you don't even try to spread it. It's just like take a scoop of the peanut butter, put it on a banana, right, and take right. a bite. So it's, okay. it's not a all spread right. that you should add peanut butter on. <laughs> but uh, that, that was good just, you know, talking about the simple carbs versus complex carbs and making sure that, that we get more complex because it's going to definitely keep you full longer, which means you won't be right. as hungry as often. Because um, I'm sure you've experienced that as well. You eat a candy bar, it makes you know I'm hungry again um, because there was no complex carbs in there. So uh, that was that was really good to to be able to talk to her about that, and we'll bring her back just so we can get dig into that nutrition a little bit more because yep. nutrition is so important. Because one of the things she said for everything, I never. I, she she sort of, um, it, it was a, not necessarily a surprise, but something that I never thought about. And she said that, do you train all week, or just two days before the game? So should you eat well, right. all week or just the game? And yeah, you know, a lot of times you on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you just eat whatever, and then Thursday you try to lock it back in. But I definitely see how that will affect your performance later on. So that's mm-hmm. definitely something to think. About. Yeah. And then we had Darius. That's a very good point. And Darius talked about his team. You know, they're one and one right now. So of course, after they they come on the show now, he's got to keep that streak going where they they win after the, the next game after the show. Um, I think he will. I think but, he will. Yeah, I think he'll get it right. I think he'll get it right. But you know. A lot of questions there. You know, kind of wondering where Ty is into Elton, um, who uh, was the head coach of PC, who was just on. You know, you got to wonder how is the NCAA going to handle the the recruiting process um, and right, the scholarships? Right. Is it yep. going to be that those guys do not expand the roster, or, or excuse me, expand the scholarship number? Or is it they will expand the scholarship? So I mean, there's a lot of questions, and and this, and I imagine NCAA will come out with some answers here before long, um, because that definitely affects um, 
you know, not just the high school seniors, but it could obviously affect the guys that are juniors right now and possibly even the, the sophomores and freshmen because of that yeah, bottleneck and, and that uh, helped me. Right. And, and so Derry mentioned it, and we were talking about it with Derry when we said, well, it's going to have a two- or three-year effect. But Elton felt right. it was going to have at least a four-year effect, which which is probably exactly. a little more true because, you know, these right. you can – begin to get a accordion effect that affects those years behind them each year. Mm-hmm. And, man, this is this is a weird situation, definitely a weird situation. Yeah, it is unprecedented. And uh, yeah. I'm sure that's, that's why the NCAA hasn't come on anything yet because there's so many different variables. Um, and, but I'm sure they're going to get it right. I'm sure they get it right. Right, right. Um, but there's a lot to think about in that because, uh, again, on one hand, you don't, you can't penalize the guys that are senior now because of something that was out of their control. Right. You cannot. But but what's the best plan of action? And uh, I guess that's why they get paid the big bucks to figure that out. <laughs> that's why they're in the big offices, huh? Exactly. Exactly. So, but it was uh, definitely a great conversation, man. Great conversations. The uh, now we got a lot of good games, uh, you know, on the books this week. Um, are there any game in particular that you you're looking forward to watching? Man, I'm going to be honest. I have not gotten into college football heavily this year yet. Right. Um, okay. I've uh, I've spent a lot of time outside on Saturday afternoon and just right. enjoying, because it, it got cool uh, the past couple of Saturdays. Uh, one Saturday was, was really hot, but it's been it's been really nice weather. So, um, and I've, mm-hmm. I've obviously watched some games. Uh, I do have a, a cousin who plays the uh, slot back for North Carolina State, so I, I try to make a point to watch North Carolina State. Um, but I, I do right. believe uh, it's Clemson. I like watching Clemson. I think they're going back in action this week with uh, with Miami. I believe they play Miami. Nope, they got Virginia, they got Virginia this week. Virginia, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yep, they so, got Virginia. Yeah. He's been playing pretty good ball, and uh, well, that's yep. going to be a good game. That'll be a good game. Yep. Uh, just keeping it, you know, here in South Carolina. Um, South Carolina is actually heading down to uh, Griffin Stadium. They got Florida. Oh, uh, that's gonna oh, be, that's gonna be a big one. They just uh, be a jump big. into the season with Tennessee and Florida, man. Well, you remember now the SEC only playing an SEC schedule. I know. So you have to start with Tennessee and Florida. You couldn't start with Missouri and Vandy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Vandy gave Texas A and M all they wanted last week. So it was seventeen. I think it was seventeen to twelve. So, so hey, don't sleep on Vandy now. Don't sleep I on know, Vandy. Van, of course, you know Vandy gets in trouble with uh, with their depth. You know, especially toward the end of the season, if, if they get injured, they run into depth issues. You know? Right. But yeah, Vandy has you know their first string is just as good as anybody's in the conference. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, what games are you looking um, forward to this, this weekend? Well. Well, you know, I, I always, you know, like to watch where I've been. So North Carolina State has yeah. pit this week. Um, okay. UTSA as UAB. 
Mm-hmm. The uh, another game that I think is going to be interesting is you got Texas A&M got they uh, they got Alabama this week. That that will tell how good Texas A&M is. Yep. And really, yep. is Alabama good? I mean, that's 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 a question. Still a little bit of a question too. Right. I think right. so. It, right. It's it's going to be. It's going to be a little different. It's going to be different. So we're going to see. We're going to see the, uh, you know, um, guy that we had on a couple of weeks ago, uh, Deion Jackson, his son's at Duke. Duke's got Virginia Tech yep. this week. I know Duke is yep. anxious to get get on the right track. And uh, yep. and I think the the probably the big game in the SEC, one of the bigger games in the SEC this week is Auburn, Georgia. Uh, that's always a big game. Always a Yep. Yeah, that's going to be yep. a huge one. That's going to be a huge one. Now, as you talk bad about Vanderbilt, yes, my son's at Vanderbilt. Um, I know. They got, I know. This week. they got LSU this week. So, we'll man, we'll see. Which LSU took one on took one uh, on on the chin last week. So we'll see if those boys. I imagine they're going to be fucked up ready to roll. LSU lost no nineteen of the twenty-two starters from last year, man. Hey, they're they're going to take yeah. a few more than just that game on the cheek oh. this year. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. And you know, one of the things that I, I think is true, regardless of what level, um, that trigger guy is so important. And, and yeah. their quarterback yeah. last year, so good. He, he was definitely a difference maker. And yeah, uh, very well, much so. It sometimes it's hard to replace that those great ones. It's hard to replace those yep. greatness. So and, you know, and, and this is no disparaging. Yeah, this is no not disparaging LSU at all. But last year was was right. a year where everything came together for them. The right, right. quarterback yep. was in town. The the defense mm-hmm. seems to always be there for LSU, but the the right receivers mm-hmm. had all come together. The the right offensive coordinator was there. And and mm-hmm. it just it just all came together and, and I remember watching early last season that LSU Texas game and I was thoroughly impressed and I told people then I said LSU LSU is a very 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 good football team and uh, mm-hmm. and they proved it. they proved it throughout the year yeah so you know if you have to rebuild you have to rebuild a little bit um, they'll win their share with their just from talent but um, I don't think they will. Uh, Obviously, you know, they already lost, but I don't think they will run the tables the rest of the year by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, well, well, now here's the thing, now. You give me your your take on this, okay? Mm-hmm. The SEC is a tough, tough conference. Yes. And yes, I don't is. know if, if playing an all-SEC schedule helps the SEC from a – Standpoint as far as the top twenty-five, because now you just beating up on yourself even more so than you do every other year. Yeah, I mean you are beating up on yourself, but I mean, is is, is I mean you got to play who you got to play. That, no, there's no, no. no thing that that if you're not a good team, you can't make it through it. Or right. that if you were an average team, that you you if you were in a different conference, you would win more games. There's there's nothing saying that mm-hmm. 
that would happen. Um, but I'll tell you what's interesting. Tell you what, Mike Leach and that offense, man, they put up some points last week. And mm-hmm. that's going to make the West even more interesting, I believe. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's a tough it's tough sledding for everybody in the SEC this year. There, there's you know they're not, nobody's playing Southern Miss, nobody's playing um, UAB, nobody's playing Troy. Everybody's playing a real game, and, and virtually every yeah. other conference is like that too. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, and actually uh, Mississippi State has uh, Arkansas this week. So, okay. And Arkansas got new coaching staff over there, so they're in the process of of coming together. So that that's going to be an interesting game. Mm-hmm. There's several mm-hmm. several new coaching staffs in the SEC this year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm just curious. What about Lane Kiffin? What are your thoughts when I when I say Lane Kiffin? What do you, what do you what do you think? Well, you know, first thing I think of when you you, you hear Lane Kiffin, I think of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And how he left Tennessee. Um, yep. He's obviously a good coach um, because he's been successful. So it's I'm curious to see how they do. I'm curious. Do Do you think he deserves uh, another shot in the SEC? Well, this is what I will say. <laughs> well, you've answered that, so I'm fine this with that. This is what I will say. He did a, he did a great job um, over there at Florida Atlantic. Um, and I think the kind of job that he did there warranted him, him a bigger job. See, it would be totally different if he went, you know, seven and, seven and five, eight and four. But, no, he was – Really good over there, and I think that's you know sort of he put himself in position to say, hey, I deserve a better job than this, um, which isn't always the case, and some guys get those type of jobs. But I think he sort of said, hey, I came over here, I won. Look what I did, I won, I won big. So hey, you gonna win big? You deserve to get yourself another shot. I reckon. I'm just not impressed. I'm just not overly impressed with him. I'm I'm just Thanks. not. Not that he has to impress me for any reason, but I don't right. know. I just thought there there, there were other coaches that um that could have well, had a better hey, shot. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think there's definitely some coaches that deserve shots. No doubt about it. Right. No doubt. Um, but unfortunately, they don't always get a shot. You know, it's yep. kind of like yep. – um, as as Coach Taff used to tell us, every player that gets highlighted deserves to be highlighted, even though there's some that deserve to be highlighted that don't. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good statement. Yeah. So, yep. uh, um, there are definitely some coaches that deserve chances, and uh, hopefully they'll I get just, those chances here. In the for me, you know, he, he was fired at, at Southern Cal, correct? Yep. Yeah. How do you how do you not win at Southern Cal? How do you not win at Southern Cal? You you have the recruiting advantage over everybody west west of the Mississippi. 
that's like saying, that's like saying how you not win at Florida, uh, Florida State or Miami again. No. Yeah, man, how did I win there? You in Miami, yeah. like Howard Schnellenberger said, we will control the state of Miami. Dave Broward <laughs> and uh, there's one other county. I can't remember the county just north of uh, uh, yeah, Dave Broward County. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you control those three counties. You got all pro players on your roster. And That's true. How do you how do you not win at Miami? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, hey, as you know, <laughs> it's recruiting is such a big part of it. Uh, but it's not the only part, uh, because as we yeah, talked about yeah. with uh, uh, with Pollock, you know, just the the character piece of it is so important. And if yeah. you start saying, "Hey, I'm gonna start recruiting talent and not worry about the character," it's gonna catch up with you eventually. Yeah, you you um, will run a so, run a a, a bribe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the old Miami. That definitely wasn't the issue because they had what was it like seven or eight years where they didn't lose a home game. So it wasn't the character and talent. They had character and talent because those boys were it was, it was dominated at that point. And, well, and I guess you know, you know the old saying, and I think it was um, I think it was from the movie Pulp Fiction. Just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that's what you're all those teams had character. Um, they uh, had hey. characters, but they did yeah, not have like, character. <laughs> I got to go back to uh, uh, Coach Powers. And one of the things that he said once, you know, this is back when I was coaching. He was like, Every, you got to have mm-hmm. one or two guys on the team that you're just not quite sure what they're going to do. <laughs> um, the wild card. It's just the wild something card. a little different. No, nah, you can't have too many of those guys because then that's not good. And it goes, goes back to what Elton was saying. That, yeah, I might have one guy, you know, might be questionable, but I can't have much more than that. Of course, football, I got more people so I can have one more guy. Yeah, um, yeah, a couple of handfuls but, of those guys. Yeah, but if you, of course, you got too many of them, that's, that's not good. But, yeah, so, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Oh, but, man. Nonetheless. You know, a good thing is we do have sports back, so we're, this is probably one of the, the best times of the year because you got basketball, you got football, you got baseball. They're all going on. Of course, you're in the playoffs. You uh, you're in the Stanley final Cup with, finals. Yep. Stanley Cup finals. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a great athletic time of the year. And, uh, and hey, so, you know, we spent so much time where we didn't have any live sports, and now we got a lot of it, which is good, which is good. Yeah, and, very good. Uh, we're definitely very looking good. forward to it. And, and as always, I just think athletics is such an important part of our day-to-day lives. Um, and just, I mean, even from an athlete standpoint, uh, because the things that you learn as an athlete while you're on the field is stuff that you can take with you for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, so. I'm a big proponent of athletics. I think it's so important. So, but hey, uh, I, I definitely appreciate you joining me tonight. We had a great time. We had a, a great guest list, and uh, we are definitely looking forward to uh, another great week next week. The uh, the one that I'm going to go and sneak out 
and mm-hmm. let everybody know that we're going to have with us is we're going to have somebody that that is definitely no uh, stranger uh, to speaking and, and radio. Um, we got one of the two live students, Doug Stewart, that's going to be joining us next. So we oh, definitely cool. got another another great uh, lineup, and uh, we're looking forward to it. And we'll definitely recap some of the, the the highlights of sports this week. But thank everybody for tuning in, and everybody have a great night. Uh, once again, um, the West Foundation. You can definitely check out what we're doing on our website, which is WES. FFC.com. Again, that's WESFFC.com. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook at the West Foundation. And then we're also going to be on Twitter at, at WESFFC. So we, uh, we're definitely trying to do some things just to touch young people's lives. And this is just an extension of it. So again, we thank all of our guests for joining us. Again, Jack, thank you for joining me tonight. And everybody have yeah, a great night. Look forward to uh, to uh, coming out next week. Have a great night. Good night.